the What I Watch Tonight show. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Movie Quarter from what I watch tonight. My name is Matt Hudson, and joining me is my super well-dressed, smartly groomed, uber-dude co-host. That would be Cody Curtis. How are you doing, Matt? I'm very, very well. How on earth are you? You've been a busy man recently. Yeah, you could say that. I mean, (laughs) things have... Honestly, it kind of feels like I don't really have any time to myself these days. I mean, between heading out to Arizona to see my best friend, Zach Pope, who I've talked about, I'm pretty sure on every single time I've been on this with you. But we got some projects done out there. And then a couple weeks ago, we got done shooting a major project with a bunch of awesome people. And now I'm in the process of editing that. And it makes me kind of want to rip my hair out, but in the best way possible. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, and then, you know, just scheduling out all my projects for the rest of the year. And, yeah, you could say that, like I said before, I literally just don't have any time to myself. It's like I'm not my own person anymore. <laughs> but you're, but when, it, when we're doing movies or projects which revolve around film, it doesn't make it so bad, I guess. Sleep yeah. would be nice, but it's nice to be doing yeah. about film. Who needs sleep? <laughs> sleep is for the weak. Uh, who are we kidding like guys me. if you're everybody who's listening out there get your sleep it's important <laughs> listen to this 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 guy is a health conscious young man so uh definitely listen to him rather than, rather than yeah. me yeah you, i am health conscious but you know talking about health and fitness that's not what we're here for today matt Absolutely we're here not. to continue talking about the movie quarterly so why don't we get right into talking about the movies that have come out so far in the last few months Let's do it. So this episode, Cody and I will be discussing the big releases between April and June. Our first episode, which covered January and March, is out there now. So if you haven't heard it, press pause, go back and listen to that one, and then come and get this one, and you'll have the first half of the year covered leading into what should hopefully be an interesting, top movie-packed second half of the year. But for now, it's April and June. So Cody, without any further, can you please deliver the April offerings? Absolutely. So. For the April release dates, we have A Quiet Place, Blockers, Rampage, Truth or Dare, Avengers of Infinity War. And I know these films came out to the U.S. in March, but they were released in the U.K. during the month of April. So we'll also be discussing Thoroughbreds. I believe that's it. Yes, this month, yeah. All right, let's start out with A Quiet Place. And (laughs) what could I not say about A Quiet Place? Honestly... To get right into it, I I freaking love this movie. Honestly, it feels like what John Krasinski has been able to do is something I find amazing because it's something that Jordan Peele was able to do last year. And it's have an actor who revolves mostly around the world of comedy in a comedic sense and 
Give him the tools and he'll create a sustainable and brilliant thriller. And that's what A Quiet Place was. A Quiet Place was different. It was brilliant. 95% of the film had no spoken dialogue whatsoever. So the most intense scenes were done with sign language or facial expressions. Emily Blunt gives one of the best performances of this entire year. She was fantastic. And A Quiet Place, as it stands right now, A Quiet Place is actually my fourth favorite film of this year. I love this movie. That is high praise. I guess the first question I will ask you, though, is when you watched A Quiet Place, were you terrified? Um, I wouldn't say I was needlessly terrified because I watch a lot of horror movies. It's It's pretty difficult to scare me. However, I will say the tension in the movie... In fact, I didn't really find it more of a horror film. I found it more of a thriller, but every mm-hmm. little it felt like it was tightening the strings of a guitar every like 10 minutes in the movie, because <laughs> be it the lamp or, or some simple noise or what have you, I always jumped when something concussive would happen on screen because it's just so well utilized. I like your analogy with the guitar string because I've tried tightening my high E string and my word is that a tough... You're waiting for it to snap at any minute. So I loved this film. I'd heard so much hype about it coming out of festivals and it helped seeing it in a quiet cinema. And I know that sounds obvious, but a couple of films I've seen recently haven't been quiet. They've been anything but and it's almost ruined the experience. But this was... Uh, more of a thriller, like you say. It drops us straight into the film. We don't need exposition. We know something's happened. We get a few hints very early on. The movie takes about seven minutes to really you know, start ramping up the tension and the action. I thought it was really well acted. I thought it was well written. I don't think there's any need for a sequel. However, we have got one. But the only qu- another second question I'm going to ask is the pregnancy angle f- with Emily Blunt's character. <sighs> What are your thoughts on that? Because it's very easy to say, I guess, that if you're in a post-apocalyptic world where you can't make any noise, would it be the most logical thing to try for a baby? You know, actually, you know, that's an angle that I never thought of, because when we get to the point where she is pregnant, it has been, gosh, it's been like 400 plus days since Mm -hmm. the event started. And, you know, I can understand why people would have an issue with it. I do, because having a baby in this world to try to make it better, it makes sense, but it's certainly not something I would do. But that tension that the pregnancy brings, especially when her water breaks and she uh, she's about to give birth, talk about one of the most tension-filled scenes in the entire movie. This, the, And you know, it's funny. When I go back to watching A Quiet Place, it's funny, the movie was rated PG-13. Well, that's the that's the American rating anyway. I'm not sure what it was in the UK. It was a 15 over here. That's that is okay. That is interesting, and that's why I guess ratings are subjective because I'm pretty sure when it comes down to it, a 15 in the UK, it's it's pretty much a mixture of PG 13 and R when it yeah. comes to the United States. And when I was watching A Quiet Place, I never thought of it as a PG 13 movie. It especially when it came to the giving birth scene, the movie always struck me as a very dark mature story but needless to say ratings are subjective it's up to you what you watch or you don't watch but a quiet place i guess the only thing i have a problem with it is like the last five minutes of the movie it definitely felt to me like the tone of the entire film shifted but that that's it that that's about it 
I agree on the last five minutes. It did seem a fairly abrupt kind of change in direction. It also didn't really set up a sequel, I don't think. But we are getting one. How that will pan out, I don't know. But the money made the film made so much money off such a small budget. And who would have yeah. thought the guy from The Office could make one of the better horror films of the year? And probably one of the more stand-up ones of the last five years, I'd probably say. Yeah, I would say so too. I mean, between... I can't wait to see what comes next because Jordan Peele gave us Get Out last year and that film was brilliant. And then this year we got A Quiet Place, which is fantastic. I Honestly, I just can't wait to see what comes next. I'm super excited to see uh, Jordan Peele's new project, Us, when it comes out next yes. year. But, I mean, I don't think that A Quiet Place will get the acclaim that Get Out did, although I think that it should get recognition for its screenplay and sound design because the sound design in the film is it's masterful yeah it is it absolutely is i i love this movie and i can't recommend it more well there is another there's another low budget low budget a24 horror film coming up later in the show so we're gonna have a couple of horror films but cody's recommended this film i think it goes without saying that i'm gonna recommend this film so for this second episode, we are off to a good start. A yeah. very good start. Yeah, definitely not like it was last time. Oh man, that last time, if you haven't heard it last time, Cody went mad a few times, but yeah. that's fine because some of the films are awful and I feel like I may go mad at least once during this. But maybe not for the next film because the next film we have is Blockers, which is a could be seen as another sort of teen uh, gross-out comedy in a way. It's about young. It's about young girls who are growing up. They're going to prom. They make a pact. Who's going to? They're all going to lose their virginity. But this time, it's on a, as a twist. It's now the parents who are going to try and block, if you will. I think we know where they're going with that. They're going to try and block the young girls' fun, if you will. And through a series of different hijinks, the film goes on and on. There's a nice message actually in this film about kind of independence and letting go. But there's also on the flip side of that, it is also just saying young kids run wild and sow your seed because it's okay you're at a certain age. So depending on what side you fall of that, it probably may uh, impact your enjoyment of the film. I quite enjoyed this film. For a comedy, I didn't find it particularly funny, mind. It wasn't, there wasn't really any, for me, rolling on the floor, laugh out loud moments. There was the one sort of standard teen comedy gross out moment involving John Cena's backside and some beer. But other than that, the beer chugging scene. The beer chugging scene. Other than that, I struggled to find any sort of major laughs. There were some good moments, especially with uh, Leslie Mann's character in the hotel. I enjoyed this film. I thought I would have liked it to have been a bit funnier, but I kind of appreciated the message that it was going for. Yeah, I, I appreciated it too. Funny enough, even though Blockers is one of the weaker comedies to come out this year, it's funny to see that the entirety of the year of 2018, it seems that comedies as a whole are kind of having a resurgence i mean Mm -hmm. we've i mean earlier i mean on the last podcast we talked about game night and how floored we were with how charming that film was and i have a feeling there might be another one on here we're going to talk about that has that same impact maybe maybe not but you know 
Blockers, I enjoyed Blockers for the gross out comedy that it was. You know, American Pie was kind of the same way. I, I kind of, I know a lot of people who love American Pie, and I think American Pie is a good film. I don't think it's a great one, but I do think it is in the same vein of Blockers, and I kind of have the same feeling about Blockers that I do American Pie. And Blockers, it has a lot of heart to it. It's just not as funny as I would have, I agree with you on that, Matt. It's not as funny as I would have liked it to. But yeah, this this is definitely a film I would recommend. However, there's a stigma on that. I I would not recommend this film to high school students. <laughs> I would recommend this film to college students and and uh, parents who want to get something out of it. But other than that, yeah, it's it's a recommendation from me if you know who you are. Yep, yeah, can't really argue with that. I thought the I thought the kids were very good in this film. They're not kids, so I thought the 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 actresses who played the youngsters, uh, Geraldine Viswanathan, Gideon Adlon, and the generally awesome Catherine Newton, I thought they were very good in their roles. They sold they sold the teen roles very well. But yeah, I agree. If if you know yourself, check yourself. If you're in those categories, Cody mentioned, you probably get more enjoyment. If you're looking for a laugh at laugh a minute, throw your popcorn in the air kind of roller coaster comedy. Blockers isn't it. However, if it was on on a Saturday night, I wouldn't turn it off. In the if it was on television, I flicked over. So I'm going to I'm going to recommend it. Just sort of temporary expectations in terms of how much fun you want to have with it. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, speaking of having fun in the movie theater, here's another. I look at this next one like I do the commuter. Just a big, <laughs> stupid, dumb action movie starring the rock dwayne johnson rampage is the next oh and rampage is not only the next film we're going to be talking about it is the next video game adaptation that we have gotten this year yes and rampage what i can say rampage i think is okay the last act the last act of the movie though it completely makes it for me i love the last act of this movie because like i said it's just big dumb action movie nonsense that's incredibly fun to watch so i mean there isn't too much to uh, dwayne johnson as always whether he's in a really terrible movie like baywatch or whether he's in a film like this or you know whether he's in a nice little indie film like like snatch uh not snatched what's it what's it called snitch that's what it's called i believe you know whatever he's doing he always has that charisma that charm and i had fun with it what can i say yeah the the the, mov- the movie falls horribly flat when the monsters aren't actually on the screen when it's just a human film it yeah. is horrendous however when you get the the, the uh the big nazis on screen george the gorilla the flying werewolf, because as, as uh, Dwayne Johnson says, of, of course a werewolf is going to suddenly start flying. And the huge alligator slash crocodile, which is well rampaging towards a certain part of the United States. The ending is just chaos. It's just like the third act is just absolutely just chaotic mess of action. But it's so much fun to watch. And surprisingly, actually, the film does go for some, how do I put it? tries to pull at your heartstrings somewhat with some of the uh, relationships in the film. Uh, and I think it worked quite well, actually. And at one point, The Rock fist bumps a gorilla, which he probably would do in real life anyway. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I bet you that that probably wasn't a fake gorilla. That's just a, that's a real <laughs> yeah. gorilla we saw on screen. No, it's The Rock having fun. You know what's funny? With all the problems this movie has, this movie actually kind of reminded me 
of the first Transformers film with how much enjoyment I had watching it. You know, the what's the biggest problem that everybody has with the Transformers movie? It doesn't focus on the Transformers enough. I think that was the main problem here with with the monsters. Yes, the monsters are in it, but I don't believe they focus on it enough. Do they pull on the heartstrings in both movies? Is the third act in trans the first Transformers movie and this movie amazing to watch and awesome? Yes. So I put Rampage in that category, although I do like Transformers more because the first Transformers movie is a summer blockbuster that I do watch every single year. Rampage, though, Rampage... I'm not going to lie. The first time I saw Transformers, I had just about as much enjoyment with that as I did with Rampage. So there's my verdict. I believe that even if you only watch it once, it is definitely a recommendation for me, even though it's really, really stupid. It is one of the more dumb films you're going to see this year. And I had more fun than I expected to have with this film. I can see the Transformers comparison because like a lot of people too, I enjoyed that first film to finally seeing... My old, my childhood hero, Optimus Prime, on the big screen was enough for me. And the and the first film is certainly passable for a summer blockbuster. After that, they just got worse and worse. But in terms of Rampage, a lot of fun. There's good fun moments. The action. It's actually. So also, the, I've got to mention the introductory scene in space for this film was actually really quite good. I thought when yeah. uh, the the scientist on board would have a crash, she has to escape. And get into the escape pod, but there's something up there lurking with her. I thought that was written and played out really well. But the film sags horribly in the middle. When the like I said, when the when the monsters aren't on screen, the film is utter trash. But when they are on screen, it's a heck of a lot of fun. So all it needed really was Liam Neeson to make it the ultimate silly action film. But yeah. there is no Liam Neeson, but there is the Rock. So I think we're going to both give it a a thumbs up just just for a let your hair down and have some fun type of film. Yeah, absolutely. As for the next film, oh, last boy. month, Co- Cody said he'd found the worst film of the year for him. And I said, up until that moment, so had I. But I recently watched a film. Oh, which come has on. Oh, come on. The worst, it. The, the worst film of the year? Are you serious? Absolutely. We are def- I hope we talk about the same film here. That, it's Truth or are... Dare. Yeah, no. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I want to hear your points, but I, I disagree that it's the worst film of the year, and I have my reasons. Yes. Well, for me, I'm going to go off a bit. So the premise was good. I did it. I li- liked the idea of the story that, you know, you play Truth or Dare, and then there's a curse on you. You know, just it's a good fun. It's a good horror trope. You gotta but, admit the smiles were pretty cool too. <laughs> it, it, to start with, and then obviously the Snapchat Snapchat filter look started to grate on me. Yeah, but that's... the execution I think was horrendous. In fact, the fact that a film was made is probably the most scary thing. There was just so much I just didn't enjoy. There was subplots regarding suicide, sexual abuse, and a character comes out, and none of it works. The I didn't like the acting. There was the, oh wow, some of the plot conveniences in this film were some of just the most contrived things I've ever seen as a character. Well, at least they weren't stuck in a house in the middle of nowhere doing nothing, being nothing, and creating every horror trope and every (laughs) horror cliche that's ever been made. And when I think of that film, which is Winchester, I'm starting to, I have to wrestle with the idea of which one is the worst for me, because they're both horrible. Yeah, they are. There's so much... I didn't like like they had, there's a, there's a the demon's called Kalax and the actors really try to sell the fact that he's well called or it's called something 
half realistic or worth saying. And sure. it sounds ridiculous saying it. It's a bit throwaway. It's cheesy. It's cliche. It's unscary. Anybody who's listening, feel free to carry on. If you enjoyed the film, of course, that that's fine because that's that's what films are for. For me, though, oh, did I mention the dialogue is horrendous as well? But for me, this is up there with Winchester or down there with Winchester. But respectfully, this is what we do on this show. I'm ready to hear Cody's argument against it. Okay, here's the thing. Do I think Truth or Dare is a good film? No. Is it in my top five <laughs> worst films of this year? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Truth or Dare. Truth or Dare is so bad. It is so <laughs> – hor- honestly, it kind of feels like the bye-bye man where it, it, it feels more like – funny enough, this is a movie about college students. It feels like a college student had a cool concept and he got a bunch of his friends together and they tried to make a horror film. And a lot of it doesn't work. Yes, but (laughs) here's the one thing I will say that they did in Truth or Dare that they did not do in Winchester. You see, horror movies based on true stories can be good, but 90% of the time they are not. And when it comes to Winchester, the movie was boring from minute one. No performance in the movie was good. The movie drags on at a snail's pace. It commits every horror movie cliche you've ever heard of. It doesn't try to set up anything about the Winchester house. However, what Truth or Dare does that I enjoyed is the fact that Although it might seem a bit cliche, Truth or Dare actually did try to set up kind of a cool concept and a cool mythology and mythos to go off of that you'd want to learn about, about this demon that makes you play Truth or Dare until you tell your innermost soul or until you die. I mean, that for me was the coolest idea. The concept and some of the execution, I thought some of the Truth or Dare sequences at the beginning not the rest of the film, but at the beginning, I thought it was well done. Mm-hmm. Winchester, mm-hmm. in my in my opinion, did not do anything right from the minute the first scene in the entire movie. So that that that's my case. But like I said, is Truth or Dare a good movie? No, no, it's not. It, it's just not. It, it's, is- I'm not gonna go on a tangent. What I will say though is that while I was watching the film. There was enough in it to where I was interested to see where the plot was going to go by the end of the film. But the ending, the ending is just utter trash. I was going to ask you, what did you think? Because you've obviously just mentioned that the film was obviously setting up a mythology, which I can see that. But then I was going to say, then you got to the ending, which kind of just blows that to pieces. The ending is garbage. (laughs) Yeah, it stinks. Basically. Here's a funny thing. This is something I find interesting because this film, this film could be something along the lines of a happy death day meets sinister, which if somebody's going to ask me what I thought of happy death day last year, I was very pleasantly surprised by happy death day. I bought the Blu-ray. I've watched it since then. And although I wasn't too lenient on it when I first saw it, having come back and watched it, I think that happy death day is a good movie. Do I think it's a great one? No, it does have a lot of problems. But it's a much better it's a much better film when it comes to setting up story and having good performances and actually making you have a mythology that you believe in and actually providing something interesting, which is a horror film version or a thriller film version, thriller comedy version of Groundhog Day. Truth or dare, my biggest problem with it is that although it does set up cool mythology that I could follow till the end of the movie, 
it doesn't do anything to push the boundaries of what horror movies can do. I didn't like Happy Death Day either. What? <laughs> but I did. I will say it's better than this. So this is just. I mean, but this is this is this was create uh, distributed by well, Universal, but Bloomhouse Pictures. They gave us Get Out, Split, Paranormal Activity, and then obviously going off and things like Whiplash. This studio brings it. I mean, but they're allowed to make this... a mistake every once in a yeah. while, I suppose. <laughs> but when it's when it's as bad as this, so man, I'm surprised they even put their... the fact that on the on the poster they've actually advertised it as Bloomhouse's Truth or Dare just to get people to actually go watch it. But that's true. But then again, you know, it is Truth or Dare. But then we have, you know, we have Whiplash, Get Out, so many other fantastic movies. <laughs> almost makes up for this atrocity to yeah, cinema, let, but yeah, let's let's just let's just send this thing to bed and bury it inside of its coffin truth or dare no no recommendation from me at all absolutely not from me at all but for the next one over to you Cody, for the next one okay the next one next one let's talk uh let's talk about thoroughbreds <laughs> <Yeah>. mm-hmm. <sighs> i saw this film just towards the end of its cinematic run but i'm interested to hear what you thought about this film Thoroughbreds, you know, Thoroughbreds, I really enjoyed because it's one of those movies where it was dark. I found it to be darkly funny. And unlike Truth or Dare, this is a film that I do feel does push boundaries. I don't want to say what those are because I feel like those leak into spoiler kind of plot points. But honestly, for me, I was just so happy to see Anton Yelkin in another film again. But, you know, one of his last and he was so good in it. And then, you know, the story I the story I was I really bought into. Obviously, this is a story about pretty much a group of young psychopaths. And it was <laughs> it was I mean, it was a surprise for me. It's not one of my top ten favorite films of this year, but it did provide me a lot of enjoyment. And I said when I got out of the movie theater, I had a really great time watching that. Yeah, it swerves between different genres, and I actually think that the opening, the opening gambit, sort of first twenty odd minutes, I think was quite shaky. But then after that, for me, it really started to get better and better. You've got Olivia Cook, who also really played one, all wide-eyed and emotionless. Anya Taylor Joy is playing this glossy, preppy girl, and again, Anthony Elton, who's a very strong support in what was tragically his his final role. And I I do agree with you. He is. He's fantastic in the in this film, as he is in pretty much most things he was. But and but uh, Taylor Joy and Olivia Cook really, really, really lead this from the front. There's such good performances for them. And like you mentioned, it's a, it was a black comedy. This is never it never loses its kind of almost macabre sense of humour. The writing is sharp. Their chemistry as well, might I just quickly say, between the two leads, thankfully, is very good. But I had a good time with this film. I was looking forward to this film. I'd read about it in one of the magazines I subscribed to. At the beginning of the year, so I was quite enjoy- looking forward to this film. And whilst it didn't hit me as hard as I wanted to, or gra- grab me as much as I wanted to, it's still a very solid. I think eight out of ten. I think I gave it because I really enjoyed. It. I had a few issues with it, but the awesome performance has really powered this film along. And when it is good, it's very good. But, yeah, you know, there's a strange message in it as well, which again I only want to talk about because it will be too spoilery. Mm-hmm. So the message didn't really work for me. Yeah, no. 
it didn't for me either. The funny thing is, though, when I came – another thing I said when I came out of the movie is, although it's not as good, I thought to myself, you know, this might be a younger version – a younger person's tale of second of seven psychopaths. Yeah. <laughs> might as well be. <laughs> that everybody in this film, like I say, is a, psych- is a psycho in one form or another, even the parents pretty much. But it's a grim film, fairly vacuous. It's engrossing. But I think the – I'm not sure if it's the director's first uh, feature debut or not, but I know it's Corey Finley's a director. He's certainly very up and coming, as is the cast. So it's a young cast, a young director, and I think that for the most part that they pulled it off. It's a very, it's a very arty film. So if you aren't in, if you aren't into movies which some people, not me, may describe as plodding and ponderous, when really they're just kind of setting up the mood, the atmosphere, and the environment. If you aren't into those kind of films, you may, you may struggle a bit with thoroughbreds. However, if you just want to sit down, appreciate a, some good filmmaking, great performances, a, a pretty decent story, then you, I don't think you can go wrong with Thoroughbreds. And the, the finale is so wonderfully presented. The cinematography throughout is, is excellent. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, what Matt is saying is if you're the kind of person who was who somewhat enjoyed Blade Runner 2049, you might enjoy <laughs> Thoroughbreds. Yeah. But, but uh, putting the Blade Runner 2049 thing aside, no, I got some enjoyment out of Thoroughbreds. Like I said, not one of my favorites of the year, but very well-made film, very well-written film, very expertly acted film. It's a recommendation for me. But you know what, Matt? I think I'm more excited to talk about the next thing we're discussing. <laughs> then I'm going to give you a thumbs up for Thoroughbreds. Go check it out. I am this, this time I am going to leave the floor wide open for my transatlantic chum. Alrighty, guys, we've reached that point in time. We are talking about Avengers <laughs> Infinity War. You may have heard of it. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Actually, it, it's kind of a very well-known indie film. You know, it's got a few very unknown stars, and it, it did pretty well at the box low, office, low making two billion dollars at the Ooh. box office. Wow. No, honestly, well, you know, it's funny because I know people who don't like Marvel movies. And yet they loved Avengers Infinity War. I know people who don't go to see superhero films. And yet they say that Avengers Infinity War was one of the best films they've seen in a long time. And these are coming from people who haven't seen any of the other previous MCU films. Marvel's Infinity War, in my opinion, is the hands down the best MCU film to date. And it has one of, if not possibly the best film villain that's ever been put to screen in josh brolin's performance as thanos i can't speak enough praises about this movie i this is one of the movies this year where i came out and i literally have no problems with it because people might complain that the characters don't have enough build up and it's kind of like a harry potter comparison for me because there were those who saw harry potter in the deathly house part two and they're like well there's no character build up it's you, you know <laughs> that we don't get to get attached to the characters and i just sit there i'm like did you watch any of the other previous films there? And they say no. And I'm like, well, then it's not surprising. If you go to see Avengers and infinity war and your complaint is that there was no character buildup, you probably haven't seen the other MCU films, but in my opinion, what Kevin Feige, 
the Russo brothers and the entire team behind Marvel were able to do with Avengers Infinity War is nothing aside from breathtaking. This is this is an event film and it's an event film that is like no other because there has never been anything like this that has ever come into theaters. I'm trying to find the most polite way of saying I didn't like this film. Okay. Okay. I'm just kidding. I was waiting for you to start shouting at me. I had an absolute ball with this film. And I, I'm i not one of those people you've just mentioned, but I do fall into the category of being a, I've mentioned it before, a casual comic book movie fan. I will go and watch the films, and that's pretty much where I leave it. I don't then investigate the law. I don't read the comic books. I just enjoy the films for what they are. Uh, and before this film came out, I had been saying to anybody who'd listen that, how on earth are they going to fit? You know, 1,600 superheroes in one film, make it work, make it engaging, and just simply make it good. But somehow they did it, the Russo brothers. The Russo brothers and, you know, also huge respect to everybody who worked in that film. Because if you stayed behind uh, for the final post credit scene, you would have seen all those thousands of names who worked in that film. So, you know, hats off to all of them as well for bringing this all together. But what a massive, massive film this was. Everybody in my screen, and it was packed on opening night over here. Everybody in the cinema was screaming, hollering, gasping, crying, cheering. I've never been in a film, in a screening, sorry, where has been that. Where in England, you know, because I've mentioned before in England, we don't do that. We generally just tut or politely smile. But people were going absolutely mad for this film, and I can see why. Action wise, it's brilliant. Emotionally, it brings the stakes, and finally, there were some stakes. Thanos is a superb villain. It, it, similar to Heath Ledger's Joker, I wanted to see more of him on screen than I did the actual the the good guys because he was so well crafted. He wasn't just well acted. He had a good story. He had a he had a motive, whether you agreed with it or not. And at times, I started to actually agree with what he was trying to do. But Matt, where where do you start? Where where what superlatives can you say that haven't been said? You know, I don't think there is any. I really don't. <laughs> and I mean, if people do have complaints about Avengers Infinity War, I do understand them. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not someone who's blind to say if you don't like a Marvel film or if you have problems with this movie that you're a bad person or I don't understand. No, I completely un- – if people say they don't like this movie, I completely understand it. I have had conversations with people who didn't like the movie. They just thought it was okay. But, I mean, for me personally, this is this is one of the best films of the year. This is my number two film of this year. I, I love Avengers Infinity War. And the fact, like I said, that they were able to bring all this together over the past ten years, it's, it's kind of impossible to think about because nothing like this has ever been done. Yeah, you're right. It's ten, a decade in the making, and it's not just a few films. I think before this, there was, what, 17 entries before this film. And the villain had been teased for what best part of six, seven years, maybe. So it wasn't just introducing a new villain. Eight, uh, uh, sorry, not a new villain. Introducing a teased villain, eighteen or nineteen movies in, it was having to have him live up to the fact that they teased him for so long, and finally unleashing him. And of course, this film's been out for a long time, but you know, I will try and traverse spoilers. But y- y- the film starts where it absolutely means to go on this film has an absolutely depending on which way you look at it awesome introductory scene i think yeah it does it absolutely does and it sets the stakes for the entire rest of the movie too yeah and uh i suppose we 
without going. Well, I, I, I'd imagine most people have seen listening to this have seen the film now. Well, it has made that, two point two billion dollars in the box office. It's number f- the fourth biggest film of all time, which is incredible. Because I thought it, I thought it would end at about one eight one one point eight billion. I think I went for. Seems like that was apparently quite conservative. But uh, the ending. Let's talk about the ending. Yeah, the ending. They all died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they needed to make room for new characters somewhere. But yeah. I loved the, I thought the ending was so well done. The fact that it was just, what well, was, de- well, excuse the pun, but definitely silent as everything was happening apart from uh, Tom Holland's lines. Yeah, don't even remind me of that. I literally, I will either tear up or cry every time I watch that scene. It didn't feel too good. It is so hard to watch. He's, he's like a 15 year old kid. Yeah, when you put it like that, it actually brings it home more. Yeah, no, and there's a frightened that, boy. But the brilliant part about this, and I did not, I did not see this until I saw it a, a third time. And it's the fact that by the end of the film, the only people who are remaining are the original Avengers, and I think yeah. that is a brilliant. I think it's a brilliant move. Do you think they have done that to for episode for episode? Fuck, what am I about for? Part two. So for next year, do you think that's going to play into it in a major way, or do you think it was just for yeah, just for the audience? I do. I really do. And here's another speculation. I I don't think it was just for the audience because I think yes, we are going to get some fan service when it comes to having the original Avengers back, but I think they're setting us up for some heartbreak when it comes to Infinity War Part Two because I it's either going to be in my personal opinion. I think that both Cap and, well, maybe not Tony. It's either going to be Cap or Tony Stark, but I think we are going to be losing either one of those two next time, and it's yeah. going to be heartbreaking. My head says it would be Cap going, simply because uh, you hear the the rumblings that he doesn't want to do the character forever and blah, blah. You can understand that. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, logically, you know, his contract's up. They, they give him a big send-off, but... Honestly, I don't think I think they're going to use him sparingly going forward, and I do think, though it might be predictable to some, I do think it's going to be Tony and Robert Downey Jr. who's going to bite it in the next film because I think that would have the the biggest resonance. Captain America is an awesome character, and he got the biggest cheer when he came on in my screening. But if it's Tony who, in Doctor Strange's vision of one in fourteen million endings, if it's him who somehow brings it all back and brings the house down then I think it whilst it may be predictable that would be the ultimate way to you know end Thanos's reign and end this kind of 10-year phase yeah you know here's the thing and this may just be speculation but I think in my personal opinion I think it is Tony who's going to be bringing everybody back because mm-hmm. if we look at the entire scope uh, not just in Avengers Infinity War, but if we look at Tony Stark as the character from the first Avengers, he has had the biggest arc to know this is coming and has had the biggest consequence thrown upon his head. Because the fact of the matter is one thing, and this comes with seeing it a third time as well. One of the bigger consequences I didn't realize is the fact that we go through the entire MCU after this event happens. I can only imagine how much of a burden this is for Tony Stark and how much of this he thinks is his fault because 
he's known this has been coming since 2012. He's known this has been coming for the past six years. And now, you know, you know, he threw some punches in. He got Thanos to draw some blood. But in the end, it didn't do anything. Yeah. And so yeah. Tony must be suffering at this point. Yeah, and in like as you mentioned, they, they finally had their climactic duel, Thanos and Tony. And whilst you know, whilst Tony got a few punches in, he he we would have been absolutely decimated had it not been for for Doctor Strange intervening. So what I think they're also doing there is they're having Tony lose the bat the, the first battle against Thanos, only to then potentially in the next film, uh, next Infinity War, Avengers film, sorry have their duel now kind of be a balancing of the books, where this time Tony's going to win in the ultimate sacrifice, where he lost the first one, he's going to get redemption, and in fact it's actually going to pretty much save the half of the universe. Yeah, I think so too. And Captain Marvel is definitely, definitely going to have a big role oh, to play man. in this. And I cannot wait to see what that is, you know, a year from now. The fun fact is that when Infinity War finally came out, people were like, oh, we got to wait another year for to see the second part of this. But then you look at it now, we're in July. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is scary to think anyway. Yeah, which uh, honestly, when it comes to the... And I think this would probably be a good point to where we can move on to our next month because we could probably talk about Avengers Infinity War all day, every day for like the next 10 years. Yeah, and all this coming from a casual comic book fan for, for me, but it's a definite thumbs up for me. I was blown away by how much I enjoyed this. I thought I was going to like it, but I was blown away by just how much I enjoyed it. I've been critical of Marvel's third acts before and their villains, but... This third act is, just brings the house down. So, yeah, all in all, big thumbs up. Here's the, the twist. twist. I hated this. Man. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thumb, thumbs up for me, too. Thumb, big thumbs up for me. Probably the least surprising uh, recommendations we're going to get there, I think, in this show. Alrighty. Well, Matt, shall we move on to May? Let's do it. That was April. Cody, uh, take us into May, please. Alright. The movies we're going to be talking about in the month of May are... Tully, Deadpool 2, Cargo, Solo A Star Wars Story, and because it was released in the UK, but not in America, in May, we have Strangers Pray at Night. But, you know, we'll get to Strangers later. Let's talk about <laughs> Tully, shall we? Let's do it. Tully? Tully's a film that impressed me. And, you know, it wasn't something that was on my radar until my buddy told me about it. He's like, have you heard about this film, Tully? It's really phenomenal. And you're a fan of indie films, so go see it. And I did. And I really, really liked it. Tully is... The thing I appreciate about, I appreciate about Tully is the fact that it delves into the role of motherhood like no other movie out there. I, I have never seen a single film out of all my years of watching movies that has actually delved into, you know, the kind of heartbreaking struggle that mothers have to go through on a continuous basis for their families and for their kids. And it made me love the movie even more. And it made me appreciate the movie quite a bit. If you want somebody to anchor your film and bring utter weight to it, Charlie Theron is who you go to. She, it, this, she's fantastic. As is Mackenzie Davis, who's such an up, up, fantastic up and coming star. In fact, she may even steal this film. But 
I mean, Charlie, this isn't quite the transformation that Theron went through for Monster all those years ago when she won her Academy Award, but she's so good in this film. And like you say, the, the themes revolving around motherhood and the pressures, the strains, the trials and the tribulations that occur in this film, they're so well handled. Uh, Diablo Cody wrote this film and uh, Jason Reitman directed it but Diablo Cody is such a good screenwriter she really really nails the emotion in this film it's it's sharp there is you know so there's cutting comedy if you will but this is it certainly puts the drama in in a drama film but I really enjoyed this film like you like you it wasn't necessarily on my radar at the beginning of the year I'd heard that a lot of people did like it but I try not to get too swayed by what other people think, because you can always be disappointed. But in terms of Tully, yeah, there was there are some fine messages in this film. There are some which I think have been misinterpreted incorrectly by some people in regards to how they perceive the film handles uh, mental health. But I think the film handles it as well as it can do. So for me, I had a better time than I thought I was ever going to have with this film. It's heartfelt. It's powerful, but it's also just a very good film overall. Yeah, it is. And for me, I've definitely got to give Tully a recommendation. Yep, so one from Cody, certainly one from me. Uh, and now kind of switching things up slightly from a drama slash comedy to a full-blown, <laughs> in-your-face, whatever you want to call it, comedy. Yep. Ryan Reynolds is back in Deadpool 2 and... I was very much looking forward to this film because I was so surprised with Deadpool how not just how well it did but how well I enjoyed it after the wonderful marketing and this film had such good marketing going into it. Well, firstly, compared to Deadpool 2, I found it quite hard to compare the two because I think this one has a better story but I don't, I don't think it's quite as funny, if you will. I think the first film had me you know, rolling around a lot more whereas this film I think kind of went more for a create a better story and an really? arc and a narrative. I do. I think it had some good fun moments in it. I'm never going to see it say it wasn't funny because it was hilarious. But I think it went more for story and action this time than the first film. Yeah, that's interesting because I'm on the complete opposite side of the fence, me. I enjoyed the first Deadpool more. Here's the thing, though. I think Deadpool 2 is funnier than the first Deadpool film is. I think the first Deadpool film is better because of the simplicity of its story. Mm -hmm. With Deadpool 2, it went in so many directions, especially towards the second act of the film, that it, it kind of bogged it down for me. It really, really did. But... That's not to say that Deadpool 2 is a bad film. It's most uh, def definitely not. It's And it has some of the funniest. Between the both Deadpool films, it has some of the funniest jokes and dialogue I have seen in a movie in a long time. I mean, by the time I got out of Deadpool 2, I had a big smile on my face and my stomach hurt because I was laughing so hard. I mean, the movie is... It's great. The only thing I think they should have worked on is, like I said, the script I think needed some tweaking and definitely some of the CGI because the CG, yes. some of the CGI in the film didn't exactly live up to par in my opinion. No, it's I agree with the CGI. I had I didn't have particularly problems with the writing. I thought it was well written, but for me, yeah, I thought the first film was was funnier because it, maybe that's just because it was more novel at the time and it was kind of came out of nowhere with this 
slightly different approach to what we'd what we'd seen before. But that's certainly not a negative for the movie, by the way. But another another thing to mention is Josh Brolin is back as uh, Cable, so he's uh, he's kind of owned, starting to own this summer. I think it's fair to say. But yeah. some of the the X Force scenes are just ridiculously funny. That's all I'm going to say about those. Just go into the film and just wait for the X Force to be assembled because it's awesome. Yeah. And it's unexpected too. It's really it, yes. unexpected how it plays out. Especially but, after I'm, you're looking at the trailers. And speaking of speaking of the summer of Brolin, which of you guys, the the three major films that Brolin has had come out, we're going to talk about all of them in this mm-hmm. show. But I mean, Deadpool two. Honestly, I I loved Brolin in, in as Cable and Deadpool two. Him opposite ryan reynolds deadpool was just perfect um <laughs> however i still think that thanos is the best performance he's given all year all oh, year sure, this yeah. year i agree with that and in the brolin meter thanos will come out on top however the, the film he is in uh in the next month is he's still very good in that but i think david leach directed this so he did yeah. atomic blonde and uh john wick so it's fair to say that he gets action and he crafted yeah. some really good action scenes in this film. I thought the action scenes were very well choreographed and that and they looked good. Again, some of the CGR was a bit iffy, but it's probably stupid to say at this point, but if you can handle ridiculous and lowbrow humour, Deadpool 2 is right up your street. Yeah, it's... <laughs> if you get offended easily, it probably isn't. Yeah, well, let, let's face it. If you get offended by anything, then just don't go to comedies <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah that's good that's true actually don't watch blockers either i mean here here's the thing when it comes to comedies and it's the thing i appreciate about them the most is the fact that comedies unlike any other genre is uh it is so good to see people who are unafraid to push the boundaries to offend literally everybody or try (laughs) to and it's one of those things I, – I go on the record and say I, I don't get offended. I, I have so many people in my life that just don't have filters and are not PC ever that I – I you know, you just got to pick and choose. And the way I see it is if you're stingy about this stuff, I understand that people are going to be offended by certain things. And I mean that's not a big deal to me. But if, if people are going to get on the record and say that comedy should not happen – because they offend people it's like the argument that people make that movies and video games make people violent i think yeah. the, the arguments are just so benign and stupid they just don't make any sense to me i i can't I disagree with that comedies don't always have to be raunchy and offensive but if you're going to push the boat and have that have it do that and it's funny then let you let you go it's a film it's not real life just let it roll over you and have a good time with it obviously like you mentioned not if, if some people do have a filter and they 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 don't always, they don't gravitate towards that and of course I fully respect that. However, in terms of comedy, I cannot disagree with you there. People are going to push the boundaries and you know push some buttons and try and get a reaction out of people because comedies aren't all just about having a good fun. You want to get a reaction out of people, then go for it. I think that kind of goes for every film as well. Like for horror, there's another film coming up in June which has certainly pushed a few buttons because of the some of the routes it took during it but Deadpool 2 has a scene with toddler's legs and a basic instinct moment so <laughs> and there's teabagging as well so there's the kind of level you're going for but it doesn't mean it's a that, that, what I would just throw in is it doesn't make it like a completely stupid movie you won't, it isn't like full on just 
utter like you know eight year old comedy. There are some clever jokes in it, but yeah, for the most part, it is just gross out, dumbed down fun. But hell, I had a ghost without saying I had a great time and fun. And interestingly enough, this film was going to probably finish about fifty to sixty million dollars behind the the first Deadpool worldwide. So to be fair, to have the sequel make pretty much just as much as the first film, I think that's a damn fine return. Yeah, I certainly do as well. And the thing I'm excited about, I can't wait to see what they're going to do with the X-Force. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the new X-Force. However. <laughs> well, this, this, this is the most blasphemy, but I can't think of the guy's name. The the, 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 the real hero, the guy with the Tash. Is, um, the, the guy with no superpowers, he just comes on board. Oh, Peter. Peter, that's it, yeah. <laughs> He's my favorite character for a long time. He was so great. I'm just sad that Bill Skarsgård didn't get more screen time. But well, I didn't know Bill Brad Pitt was in it until I saw the cut cast. Yeah, which uh, oh, I guess that spoils it. Spoilers, guys. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I'll put a spoiler alert before that. All right, but moving <laughs> on, we're going to. T- but yeah, if you guys couldn't tell, it's a big recommendation from both yeah, of absolutely. us. But now. We're going to be talking about a film, or I should say Matt is, because I have <laughs> not seen Cargo. Yes, it came out on, certainly in the UK, and I believe in the United States, it came out on Netflix. It was uh, at some of the festivals recently, and I kind of gravitated to it because it's got Martin Freeman in it, who's a, good, who's a fine English actor. I'm pretty sure everybody knows him from The Office in the UK, the MCU, and... Sherlock. Sherlock. There, how could I forget? So it's not like people need an introduction to him, but... I just throw this in because I thought it was a, a it kind of came out of nowhere. It's, again, it's not, this isn't a film that's landed in my top five or ten of the year, but it's certainly in the upper echelons. It was, it's a kind of another apocalyptic type film, you know, something's happened to the world, uh, the population's been decimated and there is a mutated threat kind of hiding in the Australian outpack, which is actually, it's all over the world, but this film's set in Australia. And, it's it was adapted from a short film, which doesn't always work. But when it does, it works well for something like uh, Lights Out. I think District Nine as well was a short film originally. But so I just thought I'd throw this in because for a zombie film, it's really really good. It's a character driven film. It's short on levity. It's the you know the pacing is again very slow, very ponderous, but it needs to be for the story uh, and. It doesn't really have a, a message to it. It's just it's not one of those films that's trying to tell you anything, but it's big on performances, emotion, and it kind of really, really hammers home this feeling of isolation, being in the Australian outback with something going on. There's a countdown. You, you you're fighting to survive. Did I mention that Martin Freeman is a father of a young baby who's probably only about eight months, uh, eight months to a year old, and she's probably the cutest baby I've seen on screen for a long time. Bless her heart. But it's if you if you like zombie films, uh, I'm gonna say intelligent zombie films. I hope it doesn't alienate anybody. But if you like intelligent horror uh, zombie films, Cargo is gonna be right up your street. It's got some of the best visuals you'll see all year in terms of cinematography. It focuses more on the people rather than the zombies. And Australian films are recently things like Killing Ground, The Loved Ones, Wolf Creek are really sort of hammering home those violently grim films and the Australians seem to do bleak better than anybody else but if anybody out there has a spare, spare couple of hours you're on Netflix Cargo is a very very solid outing and it's these kind of films that Netflix really needs to start pushing not 
utter crap like Bright or Cloverfield Paradox. Sorry for the yeah. bad language there with Cloverfield, but <laughs> these are the kind of films that they really should be pushing because it's not going to win any Oscars, but it's a lot better than the two films I've just mentioned. So Cargo, for me, is if anyone gets gets a chance, do check it out. I hope I haven't oversold it. I think I gave it about a 7.5 out of 10 because it's a very good film. It's not going to blow your socks off, but it's emotionally engaging. It's challenging, but overall, it's a very decent watch. So if you get a chance to check it out, I recommend it. Okay, I'll have to check it out. That is for sure, especially since I'm a Martin Freeman fanboy. I can't, I can't help yeah. it. All right, so I think the next one we're going to be talking about it's a huh. You know, it's another indie film. Which actually, <laughs> funny enough, funny enough, this actually is more like an indie film than any of its predecessors, but. <laughs> bum bum ba bum ba bum solo a star wars story that's what we're talking about guys let the controversy and the hatred and the comments roll here okay. we go <laughs> yeah the shills are in town okay guys uh, look this is where i'm gonna get on my high horse because if there's one thing i've noticed when it comes to all the rest of the movies we're going to talk about there's nothing really for me to rant about but there is something here that I can rant about. Here we go, Cody's and, Crazy Corner. Yeah, welcome to Cody's Crazy Corner. And, and look, guys, we're all fans. We all like Star Wars. I understand that The Last Jedi was a very, very divisive film. I get it. I mean, The Last Jedi, is it perfect? No. Do I have problems with it that I didn't before? Yes. And... That goes for Solo too. Solo, I think, is a fun movie. I don't think it's particularly a good one, but I think it's fun. However, for those of you who are going to come at me and my friends and my okay. loved ones and argue with us and complain to us and pardon my language, but act like complete dicks and douchebags to us just because you have a different opinion, you guys can please leave. Because honestly, here's the thing. There's no need for that amount of negativity. There, Look, we have different opinions. Is Star Wars Kathleen Kennedy, that, is everything a mess right now? Yes, undeniably Star Wars is kind of a mess right now. It is. But the fact of the matter is, it comes down to this. They're just movies. People will always be more important than movies to me, no matter where I go. And for those of you people who are out there screaming and being like, Star Wars has ruined my childhood. I hate Kathleen Kennedy. They need to remake The Last Jedi. I wish everybody on their team would be fired or they were shot or killed. You guys need to take a chill, Bill. You guys need to calm down because all you're doing is spreading the negativity. And we have too much negativity in our world today. So please, please get out of our faces or learn to calm down and actually be a part of society and be a betterment for it. Learn. You know, here's the thing. This isn't an actual thing we're talking about here, but learn to be like Fred Rogers. Learn to be like Mr. Rogers. Because I saw a little documentary called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And if there's one thing that that thing taught me, it's the fact that we need more people like Fred Rogers, or at least people that carry the traits that he did. Because 
all of this negativity towards these different film franchises and everything else and the fact that people are treating each other like dirt just because they have different opinions. Look, guys, this isn't war. I mean, politics and movies and all the none of this is war. It isn't life or death. We don't need to give up our families. We don't need to get rid of our friends. We don't need to break our relationships just because people have different opinions than us. So please, please calm down and actually think about what you say before you say it. Because if you don't, you look unintelligent, you look ignorant, and you look like you don't know what you're talking about. That was Cody's Crazy Corner, sponsored by Raw Awesomeness. Okay, I'm not, sure, let, I'm not let, sure whether to comment or to uh, wildly applaud, because <laughs> I, I sit here fist-pumping the air, because it's a rant which needs to be said, because there are so many utter morons out there. I love how fans can be passionate. I, I am one of them. I am passionate about the Star Wars brand, as I am with others. But I also, I'm also passionate enough to know when to kind of think, well... If I didn't like something or if I did like something, I don't need to tell the world and I don't need to throw it in their faces and I certainly don't need to degrade myself into being rude to people just because they like something which isn't real. Um, Because some of the arguments you see are embarrassing and some of the things you see being said are nothing short of of disgusting. So... You know, little needs to be for me to start to preach how people should live their lives. It just goes without saying that. As you say, be like Fred Rogers, wear a cool jumper, be nice to people. You'll find that it's a much better place to live this world if people just, you don't have to get on or even agree, but just, you know, douse the flames of being an absolute jerk to people because it just doesn't help your argument whatsoever. But Solo, I had issues with, I'm a big fan of Star Wars, but I had issues with Solo. I didn't need it to be the best Star Wars film ever. I didn't need to make $2 billion. It needs to, I would have liked it to make more than a couple of pounds, which is what it has made. But uh, there are moments in this which I didn't like. The first half an hour didn't. I wasn't overly enamoured with. Certain moments which happened with Han and story points about how he got his name. No, I didn't enjoy that whatsoever. But you said the great word itself, fun. I had fun with this. It's an action, It's an adventure film. It's a summer film. It's it's entertaining. Old Neronoik, I thought, was very good as Han. Donald Glover, the the superb Donald Glover, was imperious as Lando. It's, I had a good time with the film. It, it was well written. Would would it have benefited from having a more solid production? I think undeniably, had we had Ron Howard from the beginning with more time, then I think it could have been more polished. But I think a lot of the reasons behind its poor box office has a lot to do with, you know, the backlash, if you will, that that B word, from The Last Jedi, and just people's apathy towards the brand. I don't necessarily share it, though I can see the issues, but I think it is having an adverse effect on, on on the films going forward. Yeah, I can absolutely agree with that. And look, I... It's like I said, Han Solo isn't one of my favorite Star Wars movies. No, not at all. In fact, it's towards the bottom part of my totem pole when it... When it comes to Star Wars, I mean, it's probably, you know, it's probably below Revenge of the Sith for me. I did have problems with with Solo a Star Wars story. For instance, the movie I felt was, there were certain points where I was wondering where the plot was going. I thought it dragged on a lot more than it needed to. Mm-hmm. And there were certain plot points that I thought were useless. Uh, I'm not going to go into them because I don't want to spoil that, but... 
as a whole, I had fun with Solo. I mean, like I said, is it a perfect movie? No. But is it a fun movie? Yes, it is. It's a fun movie in my personal opinion. I had a fun time with it. But I do acknowledge that the film has problems. Solo has a myriad of problems, more than any Star Wars film should. But Alden Ehrenreich, I would like him uh, to be in another Solo film, or maybe not a Solo film, another Star Wars film where he plays Solo. Because in my opinion, he he was a better Han Solo than I ever could have hoped for. Because there were certain instances in the movie, not just from his attitude... But I literally thought I was looking at a young Harrison Ford. Visually, after it, it did take me about ten, I think ten or fifteen minutes to really buy him as Han Solo, and that wasn't because of his performance. It was just because I had to just. I, I knew I'd have the problem where when I see him, I'm, I'm of course comparing him to visually to Harrison Ford, and then I kind of sat back and thought, well, as the writers said and everybody else said, Han Solo is a character. He's that's that is who you need to impersonate the or, or or become sorry as the character. Harrison Ford became that character and put his own stamp on it. And Alden Ehrenreich is also that character because Han Solo isn't a person; he's a character. He's something which you can aspire to be. And yeah, I what I did notice I mentioned before somewhere else is that during the film, certainly in the first half an hour, Han Solo is 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 called Han an awful lot. The characters do refer to him sometimes. I think quite obviously as Han. So they, so they'll keep saying his name as almost to reinforce to the audience that you know this guy is Han or this is a new Han. I, I've seen it a few times now, and it hit me the second time I think when I re- when I realised just how many times he is referred to by his actual name rather than anything else, and whether that was just me noticing something which wasn't there, or maybe it's just. Well, maybe they did put it in as a, just a, as a kind of subconscious way of having you, you know, believe in his character more. However, his performance more than did that. He had the swagger, he had the look, he had the confidence, he had the appeal. He is everything a young Han Solo before we meet him in Episode Four should be, and I think that's the key thing: is he isn't the quite the curmudgeon and the grump that we see in Episode Four yet. He's a young man finding yeah. his way in the world, galaxy. And I, I'll say that. The last act of the movie, the last act of Solo Star Wars Story was by far my favorite. I thought it was the most action-packed. It was the most exciting. It had the most revelation to it, and I enjoyed the revelation that they gave. Here's the thing, though, and I think Solo was a brilliant move because what Kathleen Kennedy is doing with Star Wars right now I think is just stupid. I'm not going to get into that. I could, but I think that that they need to replace Kathleen Kennedy. I really – I really, really do. But the thing that I like that they did with Solo is the fact that Alden Ehrenreich was good. I think it eases in the fact that if they decide to recast Princess Leia for Episode Nine, if they can find somebody that does as good of a job with Han as Alden Ehrenreich – or not Han, but Leia. If they find somebody that does as good of a job with Leia as Alden Ehrenreich did with Han, I – and I'd honestly be okay with it. Is it hard to not see Carrie Fisher be Princess Leia anymore? Yes, it is. But I would much prefer they get somebody to replace her as Leia to finish out her arc as a character instead of using CGI and all that stuff to make her look younger. 
because that stuff does work. But if, like I said, if there's anything that Solo proved to me, it's that if if they want to complete the story with Leia, which in my personal opinion I think they should, they can do it. And I'm hopeful for the future. I'm hopeful for Episode Nine. That is a that's a very good point because whether they intended that or not, it, the reaction that old Nero Nike has got because I think for the most part it's been you know fairly positive. I've seen a few obviously people who've said they didn't buy it or they didn't like his performance, but that's gonna, you're going to get that of every film I think. But that's an interesting point. And that is I mean that's an, that's an entirely new discussion point, but. Could they go that way? They've already said they're not going to do the CGI route, so they haven't said that they... I don't believe they said that they're not going to recast, but this is kind of a way of, yeah, sort of dipping a toe in the water, gauging reaction to how a classic legacy character could be perceived with a different actor playing them. And, you know, who knows? The character of Leia may only be in episode 9 for the opening scene, for example. So it may, you know, it may not be too much of a jarring recast whereas if, if she was in for the whole film then of course that's a different a different kettle of fish but for Solo I liked what Old Nero Nike brought to the film I thought, I thought Donald Glover was fantastic as Lando he just oozed like this sex appeal charm he was just a young Billy D. Williams who's also just as cool as well uh, Amelia yeah, Clark surprised is. me I, and I mean that in the least derogatory way possible I was one of those people who was slightly worried about Amelia Clark in the film only because Outside of Game of Thrones, I haven't seen much to be overly enamoured by, but I thought she was actually very good in the film. Um, Paul Bettany was good coming in as the villain Dryden Voss. Everybody, I think, was solid in their roles, so I haven't got any problems with that. But they, like you say, there were a few there were a few moments during the film which I kind of thought, oh no, or they just didn't work, or the pacing was a bit awry, or like you say, just things just maybe didn't need to be there. So, is it in my top? half of my Star Wars films I'm not sure it is but for me I think it rests in the middle whereas obviously for you it's slightly lower I think yeah I'm with you there honestly when it comes to Solo like I said I got some enjoyment out of it I do have some problems but that's about the sum of it and I I do recommend it yeah I'm, I'm going to so it's it was a good film, a good fun summer film. Didn't make as much money as or anywhere near as much money as Lucasfilm thought it would. So that again, that's another discussion point. But in terms of was it a film worth watching? Absolutely, go out and see it. Go and have a good time and just enjoy going back to the galaxy with the probably the coolest man, coolest man in the in a galaxy far, far away. So that was Solo, a Star Wars story. And as Cody mentioned, this film, this next film was released later in the UK. Uh, but earlier in the United States, but it wasn't mentioned in the last show, so we're going to bring it up this time, and it is the ludicrously titled The Strangers Pray at Night. So it's another horror entry. Now we've had, we've already had Truth or Dare, which I really didn't like, and Cody pretty much really didn't like. We've had A Quiet Place, which we both really enjoyed. Now I don't hmm. know what uh, Cody thought about this film, but what I want to say to start with was... I really enjoyed the first Strangers. That film really scared the bejesus out of me. So I'm going to throw over to Cody because I want to know what he thought about this first. (laughs) You know, there is one thing to have a bad movie. (laughs) There are bad bad movies. There are movies that are so atrocious that you can't watch them again. And there are the movies that are so atrociously bad 
that you can laugh at them like they are a comedy and you can get a bunch of your friends together and you can watch them and laugh at the stupidity in the film. Strangers Pray at Night was definitely that third one for me because is it a good movie? No. Did I have fun in the theater watching it? Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> Look, do I like to watch it again? If my friends and I wanted to have a, like a mystery science theater kind of night where we just picked apart everything in Strangers, yeah, I would definitely watch it again. But everything in this movie, the acting, the performances, the cliche horror stuff that it pulls, all of this stuff, it was just so horribly done. <laughs> but... <laughs> One, however, the, the scene at the pool, the scene at the pool, I think, is the best scene in the entire movie. That scene was actually done extremely yeah. well. I love that scene, but <laughs> I'm laughing <laughs> thinking about it now because this movie, this movie made me laugh throughout it because of the ridiculous nature of everything inside it. Was this better or worse than Truth or Day? Oh, it's better because here's the thing. Truth or dare, truth or uh, truth or dare. Look, well, I say it's better <laughs> in qua in quality. No, it's not. More entertaining. Well, oh, 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 you know, it might be worse. But I think I say it's better for me personally because yeah, on an entertainment level, you can watch Strangers Pray at Night and be ridiculously entertained. It, it, it's so bad. That you can you can treat it as a comedy and laugh at every stupid thing that happens in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> some of the things that happen, some of the some of the logical, apparently logical decisions will have you wishing that the the bad guys would come and knock on your door because some of the things that happen, you think, why on earth would you do that? I mean, horror films aren't exactly known for breaking any conventions for intelligence most act most of the characters do the most ridiculous things and you think why are you doing that why are you going in that door why are you going up the stairs why are you doing this the strangers pray at night does that in spades that almost everything the characters do you do think why are you doing this in what sane world would you do this especially if you're being especially if you're being hunted by somebody called Dollface pinup and the man in the mask who are just there to well well to terrify you but the first film worked better because it was set in that one uh, one cabin and it had that awesome sort of horrendous claustrophobia. It was simple. It didn't need to be too flashy. I know, of course, that they went outside a bit in the first film and, you know, went a bit more action. But it worked for its simplicity. And I think this film tries to go for that simplicity just in a bigger in a bigger space location but it just doesn't work anywhere near as well what it did like was they managed to get tiffany i think we're alone now and i love that song so anytime i get to hear that i get to have a little bop and a little dance but i don't know there's the, actually before i go into it the final scene in this film is is probably the most outrageous thing i've seen and i don't mean that in a good way it literally will have you if you, you need to suspend disbelief most of the time but this you literally have to just suspend your heart brain soul and eyes because it's the most ridiculous thing like it's the biggest stretch of credibility i've ever seen if you've seen the film guys you'll know what i mean but it's the swimming pool scene was the best part of it absolutely that was well done it was it actually had a bit of tension in it whereas the rest of the film was just idiots running around trying not to be killed but with with a cool soundtrack, 
But I don't know. It's just there were some there were some interesting shots, there were some interesting visuals, but to me, it just kind of gone the same way as the Purge franchise has, where it's just yeah. masked, masked lunatics with neon lights just because they looked cool. And yeah, you know, that's about it's it. A, yeah, I agree with you there. The funny thing is for me is when I go into Strangers, I was not expecting Strangers Prey Night to be good. I didn't think the trailers or any of the marketing looked good, but thing I like about movies like Strangers Prey Night is you could, these are the kind of movies that you can have so much fun watching them because if you're a horror movie fan and I remember I saw this movie with like five other people and while we were watching the movie we literally just you know didn't really care sat there and talked about the movie like let's say when the father and son go out and uh they they or no the son and the daughter find an dark trailer you know girl just a girl just hopped up on their doorstep and she's like hey is so and so here and the (laughs) son and daughter they're like hey let's go out and wander this really creepy abandoned yard and then there's a trailer with a door open let's go it's exactly what i mean why would you go let's let's go let's go and see which i when it comes to movies like strangers pray at night you know, I might surprise you with what I'm going to give this one, but I mean, I, this is a movie. If you watch the movie alone, and I think like the purge, like the rest of the saw movies, this is one of those things where I'm like, you know, if you see a little alone, you're probably going to hate it. (laughs) But I, like I said, I saw this movie with a few other people. So I was able to get enjoyment out of it. So, if you have the chance to watch Strangers Pray at Night, I recommend you get a group of friends together, you guys record it, and do a parody of Mystery Science Theater. Or do your own Mystery Science Theater party. Have a bunch of really terrible movies that you want to talk crap about and make Strangers Pray at Night one of them. In that case, I recommend it. Any other situation, though? No. So it's kind of a kind of mixed for me. <laughs> It's half and half, which is a surprise, guys, waiting for a flat-out no there. But I think if you've seen the trailers, you've probably seen most of the film, to be honest, because which is a shame. But I, because I really enjoyed The Strangers, and I really do sort of lord that film. It was a very, very good horror film. I, I was looking forward to this film. Then I saw the trailer and did think, oh, that, this just looks pap. It doesn't really look very good. And when I came out of it, my mind wasn't really changed. It's not. I don't think it's an awful film. It has, it's, it has, there are very few, few and far between. It has a few decent moments in it, but the negatives absolutely outweigh the positives. But again, th- what this film also reminded me, I can't remember which scary movie, uh, which Scream film it is, but they they have a parody of of Scream in one of their films called Stab, I think it's called. And this <laughs> film just reminded me of that, like an absolute parody that you see in on the on the TV screen in the background of a horror film somewhere. Because it's that, that unbelievably stupid kids walking into an abandoned trailer, and the way that it's set up for them to do it is just as stupid as it sounds. It, it, there is no logic. I, I genuinely mean, there's no logic. It's not like nope. they've just, I don't know, their cats just run into it, and oh look, we've got to go and find our cat, or or they've just, or there's a light on, or they can see something. It's literally an abandoned cabin, and they and they actually deviate from their way to actually go to, to go to go into this thing. There are guns which are never used. The the again the ending is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, and I yep. I really wanted to like yep. this film. But when I saw that, and it involves a car, then I saw that. I thought, 
this has lost all credibility. Yeah. I'm not sure whether they're going to come back for a third film. I'm not 100% sure on the box office for this, but I guess they could do if they wanted to, because again, like The Purge, this these strangers film kind of lend themselves to doing a couple of films because they could just have anyone behind those masks. I hope they don't. You know, if there's one thing I can say, it's really sad. We've had some good horror movies this year, but then we've had Truth or Dare and <laughs> Winter and Strangers Pray at Night. <laughs> oh, okay, guys. We're, we're going to be talking about something in the next month, but I do want to make a couple of horror recommendations. One is a movie. One is a video game because these are two things that absolutely subvert the genre and do horror correctly. If you guys want a devastatingly awesome horror experience number one get yourself a copy a copy of cabin in the woods that film is great i'm not going to get into specifics because if you've heard about it you need to check it out number two if you play video games get yourself a copy of resident evil 7 biohazard that film it's not film video game does atmospheric horror like nobody's business. I spent the last five days playing it, did it in about nine hours, and I know this podcast is usually about movies, but the the way that this video game goes about it, it's very, very cinematic in the way it does its horror. I mean, it's very grotesque. It's very mature, yes, but the psychological horror that is in this game, it still hasn't left me, and it's Mm. been five days. So there's that, but in all honesty... With all of that aside, Matt, I think I know what you're is, is are you gonna recommend Strangers <sighs> Pray at Night? <laughs> I'm gonna absolutely suck and I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on the fence because Actually no, I'm not I'm not gonna recommend it. I was gonna say I do because I did get some bits like I say that I got some fun out of it. But if you're going into it wanting a horror film and wanting to be kind of you know, chilled and scared like you may have been from the first Strangers in, you're definitely not going to get this in this film. In fact, this film kind of strays far away from what made the original so good. So for me, I love the first one, but I'm going to to give this one a very sad looking thumbs down. Yeah, a very sad. (laughs) It was because I really wanted to enjoy this film, but alas, it's a... It's a watch it with friends with Cody. Don't watch it by yourself because you're going to hate it. And for me, it's just a very sad looking thumbs down. So for so for me, for the most part, it was positive. Tally good, Deadpool 2 good. Cargo for me was okay. Solo, f- bumps and bumps in the road. There's bruises all over it, but go and check it out. Strangers Pray at Night. If, if, you're, kind of, if you're in a mood where you want to punish yourself for the evening, then maybe check it out. But do watch that ahead of Truth or Dare. So that's May. So for the final month, which is of course going to be June, the month which has only just left us. Cody, what happened in June? What did we see? We Guys, what we saw was this. Ocean's 8 Upgrade, Adrift, Hereditary, Incredibles 2, Sicario 2, Day of, Saldado, Day of the Soldado, and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Now, here, here's one thing I will say. Despite what we got in previous months, the month of June, it was extremely impressive because I can't say that I saw a movie in June that was just trash. Like, was there was there a film that I thought could have been better? Absolutely. But other than that, 
there wasn't a movie that I thought was horrible. What about you, Matt? Um, I agree with that, actually. I haven't seen The Incredibles 2, simply because it hasn't come out in the UK here. So, gotcha. for that one, Mr. C is going to take that one away. But I think I agree with you. I had more fun than some people did with some of the films this month. Certainly not the horror film, because I didn't have... I, I think it'd be wrong to say I had fun with that film. Because well, it's good well, there, well we? we'll get into it when we get yeah. there. But, but it was for a now, solid month, I think. Let's talk about Ocean's 8. Yeah. Ocean's 8, first of all, I'm just going to say right now, I do give Ocean's 8 a thumbs up, and here's why. Because Ocean's 8, apart, you know, take away the... Take away Thanos destroying and killing everything. <laughs> take take away the darker stuff and, and the less happy stuff that we've gotten. Take away the solos in Star Wars. Ocean's 8... Ocean's 8 is just a purely fun movie. I enjoyed Ocean's 8 quite a bit. The perf- the chemistry between every one of the actresses was incredible. I loved it. Kate Blanchett, in my opinion, gave the per- first, the best performance, but I'm probably biased because I think I'm partially in love with Kate Blanchett because I think she's she's great as a person and as an actress. But Sandra Bullock, Rhea- funny enough, Rihanna, the last thing that she was in was Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets, and she was awful in that. However, I thought she did a pretty darn good job in here as 8-Ball. I mean, or or 9-Ball, whatever you want to call it. But, <laughs> but I think the standout performance for me, the best was Kate Blanchett. The standout for me was Anne Hathaway. Yeah. I, the, what she did, never seen her give a performance like this before, and she was great. And, okay, let's get into it. The one thing I will say I had a problem with this movie, I had a couple problems. My biggest issue with Ocean's 8 is I feel as though, and it was Gary Ross who directed Ocean's 8, right? I yeah, sure, hope, yeah. yeah, my biggest problem is Ocean's 8, it feels like Gary Ross was trying to copy Steven Soderbergh's style with what he gave us with Ocean's 11. This movie feels like a very grade B version of of a Soderbergh, of Soderbergh's Ocean's 11. But for me, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It is my biggest problem with the movie because I think Gary Ross should have put his own style and twist into the film. But overall, I enjoyed the heck out of myself when I saw this movie. And I can happily say that I think it's just an enjoyable summer movie where if you want to if you want to go into a movie theater and escape and get into the people's lives of of people who do things that you would never do, but you have fun (laughs) watching them do it. This is definitely that movie. And like I said at the top of this, I, I do recommend this movie because it's fun. I think this was the film in June, which I expected to have. I thought I'd be the most disappointed with this film. But like you, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought the first half was, the first act, first half was better than the second half, to be honest. And some of the writing was a bit awry here and there. But to the good parts, which was most of it, the chemistry was scintillatingly good. The comedy, the the gags in it were fun. I thought that worked so well. I thought, I also thought Anne Hathaway gave the best performance that may be also because i'm partly in love with her as well but helena bonham carter was fantastic sandra bullock led this sandra but sandra bullock sandra bullock led this thing with just an absolute confidence which you expect she really is the in the kind of george clooney role whose character does get mentioned many times during the film she's fantastic 
Yeah, Rihanna, Aquafina, or however you say her name, and Sarah Paulson are kind of, I think they're slightly underused. Yeah. But that's kind of, that's almost like a minor quibble. The, I say A-list actors, I guess, get the most screen time because that's what they're there to do and they're all fantastic with it. Unfortunately, James Corden does turn up during the film to put a horribly sour note in it. So um, the United States, you can keep James Corden. We'll send him over to you with a bow on. In terms of direction there, Gary Ross... He, I mean, he kind of had to ape Soderbergh somewhat, but I think at times it became clear that he was doing a homage, an impression rather than an homage to the great Soderbergh. But I think this stands this, this stands on its own as a film, even if it wasn't connected to the Ocean's films. However, I also think it's better than certainly the last Ocean, Ocean's 13. I think it's up there with the better Ocean's films. Um, so I was surprised by it. I had a good time with it. And I thought it was fun. I thought it was funny. What more could you... It's a heist movie. You want to have fun with a heist movie. The heist element of it was pretty well done. But when they were getting the gang together, that was the best part for me. Yeah. It was. It was. I mean, Ocean's 8... I guess that the, that is another problem I have with it, is the fact that the heist itself, I thought, was very exciting, very fun as a whole. However, <laughs> leading up to it... I didn't buy that they pulled this off. Like, you know, the, the the preparatory phase. I mean, you look at Ocean's Eleven. There was a whole simulation that George Clooney, Brett, that Danny Ocean and his team did of the vault. You actually saw everything that they went through. And they did the whole talking piece about going into the vault, uh, about stealing what they were going after in Ocean's 8. And that was cool. I like that little homage back to what Soderbergh did. However, like I said, the most I can say about Ocean's 8 is it's a fun, enjoyable movie. It's a fun, enjoyable movie that you can... I mean, th- I mean, this is a fun, enjoyable movie, but I think personally, the way I see these things, I think women are definitely going to enjoy this movie a lot more than men are. That's just my opinion, though. Yeah, I can see where you say that Say that from. If you're an open-minded guy like we are, you will enjoy this film. There's a lot to like about it. But I, I, I can certainly see your point there. It came out at the right time of year. This is a perfect film for this time of year. I mean, what, it's made It's made 212 million worldwide. So it's people are going to see this film. There's no doubt about that. It's made almost as much as Solo's made. But yeah, if you want... Again, we've said it before, but it goes, again, again, goes to say again, if you just want a film... So just enjoy yourself with. There are plot holes, some gaping ones, in fact. Some of the writing doesn't help that. But if you just want to have a good fun watching eight kick-ass women just give great performances, bounce off each other so well, and just have a leave the cinema more than likely with a smile on your face, then Ocean's Eight is going to give that to you. I I recommend this film. It's a thumbs up from me. Yep. I agree. It's a th- well. You guys have already heard me say it like three or four times. It's a yeah. It's a thumbs up for me too. It would be a shock if you suddenly turned around and said, "Actually, having said that, I didn't like it." But Ocean's Eight is a kind of breezy summer film. The next film is kind of the opposite in terms of tone. It certainly isn't a breezy fun film, and that's Lee One L's Upgrade, which I think's kind of flown under the radar somewhat because I hadn't it hadn't been on my radar till about. I don't know, six to eight weeks ago, I hadn't, I just hadn't popped up. It stars Logan Marshall Green, who's kind of a Tom, very much a Tom Hardy lookalike. And yes. it's, it's a science fiction sort of thriller, mystery, horror film about, 
well, it's a, a futuristic world where everything is digitalized. People are pretty much they're not robots, but they're you know digitalized. It, you know, technology rules everything because you know it's a it's a, it's a clear message to the world we live in now. But obviously, things happen along the way, and the story changes for all of the characters involved, and then it just becomes very bloody, very brutal. But it doesn't lose track of the fact that it is a very, very good film. I think. Yeah, I honestly, this is one of those films that I have had to think about because when I first saw it, I didn't really like it that much. I thought I liked the concept. I like the originality of it. I like the action sequences. And one thing that my buddy and I said is we would love to see Lee Wynell. We want to see him direct a more, a mortal combat movie. Yeah. Because simply for the action sequences and the violence alone in this movie, (laughs) because it's, uh, yeah, the violence in upgrade is unbelievably (laughs) brutal and in your face. And, you know, it shames me to say it, or maybe it doesn't. Who am I kidding? It's kind of like Tarantino violence. I was watching it on screen and the way it was choreographed and it came together. I was like, this is awesome. This is (laughs) amazing. Every single time a new action sequence happened. This movie I liked as the more I like it more and more as I think about it. And I think it is very underrated because I don't hear people talk about it all that much, but it is an enjoyable film for sure. Yeah, I think it's going to become a film that might be a might be a kind of cult film that in in I would say years to come. But I don't think it's never going to get to kind of Blade Runner that kind of level. Of obviously not, I don't think. But I think it's a film which more and more people are going to pick up when it comes out on VOD or streaming or DVD, Blu-ray. And I think then, hopefully, I hope it does anyway. Maybe word of mouth will spread just a bit more because I do think this film needs a bigger audience because yes, it is bloody brutal so and yes at times some of the violence is fabulously entertaining to watch but it's a film which i think deserves a bigger audience because it try it's there's something refreshing about this film it's a sci-fi horror but there is something about it which keeps it on a refreshing road it's not entirely cliche it's interesting it's got messages in there they're not exactly subtle but I think, and also I think Logan Marshall Green, who I first saw in The Invitation, I thought that was an okay film. I think he's very good in this film, and he he handles his kind of gloomy, grumpy character very well. So, and it also looks great. So, yeah, if you haven't seen Upgrade, guys, do go check it out. It's a thumbs up from me, and I hope you enjoy it because I know I didn't. It it and Cody is well. The more he thinks about it, the more he enjoys it. So check yeah. it out, and I hope it- you enjoy it. It's a thumbs up for me too. And if you do like, if you don't like, you know, bloody brutal brutality, then just remember, just keep that in mind. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you take us through this next one, Matt, because I have not seen Adrift. Bum bum bum. Cody was all out at sea when this one came out, but swept. I was swept away on the wave. How many more ocean puns can we get into this? I'll have to see. But um, (laughs) I'm making myself laugh. Adrift is, it was directed by Balthazar Kormakor, who recently directed, well, I say recently, three years ago, directed Everest, which was a true story about, obviously, people climbing Everest and the trials and tribulations that they faced. And Adrift is also is, is set on a true story of two people who are, well, yeah, they're adrift. They're, 
they are sent. I can't obviously remember to say too much. You haven't seen the film, but they are left adrift at sea by themselves. It's got Shailene Woodley and Sam Claflin are your leads. Shailene Woodley is fast rising up the ranks of Hollywood. I think she's a superb actor. And I, actress, sorry, she was fantastic in The Fault in Our Stars, which I've got no shame in saying I thought was fantastic. Sam Claflin I have a love hate relationship with because he was in My Cousin Rachel last year, and I absolutely hated that film with a burning passion. And just because just his involvement in it. Makes me <laughs> makes me see him in a different light, but he's very decent in this film. All being said, but this film is set on true story. If you don't know what the story is beforehand, you know, don't Google it. Go in and watch it with fresh eyes, because if you do know the story, it is going to temper how you see the film. There is some things that happen in the film which I know are fairly divisive story points. From my knowledge of the true story, they actually do stay fairly loyal to it. However, cinematically, it doesn't really work. But uh, it's well written. It's very, very well acted. I think your enjoyment is going to hinge on whether you whether you like the way that the story ultimately ends up going. It's not a spoiler anywhere in that sentence. But you know, some people may say every film is dependent on whether you like the ending. I don't always buy that. But in this sense, I think that if you don't buy the ending, it may temper what you think of the film. Me. I thought it was a, I thought it was a decent film. It was fairly well written, like I said, it's well acted. It's engaging. I hate the sea. I'm scared stiff of the sea, so it just makes me want to stay away from boats or anything ever again. But if you haven't seen it, I'd recommend to go check it out. I had expected a lot more from it. I will say that, but I think you'll get. I think you'll enjoy it if you see it. And again, if you can, if you enjoy where the film ends up going. I think you'll ultimately like the film. So, Adrift is a tentative thumbs up from me. It, I expected more, but I enjoyed what I got. Okay, I will have to check it out because I am a fan of those true life stories. Mm-hmm. The next film isn't one which I'd call fun, but I'm going to let the the YouTube movie do take it away with our next film. Well, 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 we've arrived. To the realm of Satan. Here we go, talking... <laughs> Here we go, talking about Hereditary. Directed by... fantastic Ar- through headphones, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Directed by Ari Aster. So, when I saw this movie, I was out visiting my good buddy, Zach Pope. We watched it. We got out of the movie theater... And then we proceeded to stay awake for the next five hours. (laughs) (laughs) And this film, this film is brilliant. It's brutal. It's melancholy. I love, love, love Hereditary. It's in my top 10 of the year. And the reason is, the reason why I love Hereditary so much is because, number one, this is, without a doubt, one of the most pure horrifying experiences I've had in movie theater in a long time and I love that experience the last experience that was like this I remember was the it was either the conjuring 2 or Annabelle creation it was one of those two but this was great because I know a lot of people have a problem with the setup they find it boring but a24 doesn't do regular regular horror films like truth or dare they don't do stuff uh-huh. like get out they they do very indie, very character-based stories. I mean, it's like that with The Witch. It's very much like that here. 
And Hereditary is awesome. It's amazing. From the B- Tony Collette, number one. If she doesn't get nominated for Best Actress at the Oscars next year, I will be very disappointed because this is probably the best work that she's ever done, and it's very, it's very, very impressive. And Alex Wolf, another guy. He was in Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle. Uh, I love that movie, but he gives a phenomenal performance here. Everybody across the board did a great job. And the way it sets up you with the characters, the way it sets up the mythology, the thing I love about Hereditary is that everything that other films like Truth or Dare or like uh, Winchester have done wrong or Strangers Pray at Night, this movie does absolutely right. It gives you good, grounded characters to latch onto, to care about. It gives you mythology that you can be interested in. It terrifies the living daylights out of you and <laughs> makes you think about the movie long after you're gone. And I know people don't like that aspect about horror movies, that they terrify you and they're with you uh, probably until you die. But I've always loved that aspect because it always gives you more to think about. If the movie is so horrifying that it stays with you for a very long time, it allows you to gain some clarity about what the film was trying to say. I mean, and this movie certainly did. There's a lot of symbolism inside of Hereditary. There's a lot of messages about about family, about mental illness, about depression. All of this stuff is very well handled by Ari Aster in the entire cast. And one thing, the thing I didn't like about Hereditary, I didn't mind it when I first saw it, but as I, I've seen it a couple more times, but the the ending, the last five to ten minutes of the movie, I just don't buy because I feel as though they were kind of trying to do what they did with The Witch and the ending is shock for shock value essentially like the ending if it ended at a certain point at the ending i think it would have been fine but they had to continue it on for another five to ten minutes and i just didn't buy it at all but hereditary without a doubt is the most terrifying movie i've seen in a long time and it's uh it's a great movie (laughs) (laughs) i think cody enjoyed the film (laughs) i think <laughs> I think it was good to throw out that Anne Dowd is wonderful in this film as well. Tony Collette, if she isn't in the, if she isn't even sort of in the picture for a nomination for next year's Academy Awards or this year's Academy Awards, however you see it, then something is wrong with the Academy because she is genuinely superb in this film. You believe everything she goes through because she sells it so well. And this is Tony Collette in this kind of role. She never has something she's never done before. And she absolutely nails it. She's superb. The cast as a whole are fantastic. I will say that the trailers, they will abs well actually they don't try don't watch the trailers. If you could yep, go yep. into this film without seeing anything, which is what I managed to do, you will be absolutely taken on a trip for this film. I don't really have too many downfalls with the film itself. One of the things which, obviously, uh, what I've mentioned before, my favourite film of all time is The Exorcist. Favourite film of all time, not just whole, but any, of any film, for many reasons. And this film has been compared to that. Really? And, I will, and it's also been called the scariest horror film of all time. If you're gonna, if you go into it expecting the scariest film of all time... It's going to let you down. Yeah, you may want to temper its expectations just a bit, but that is not saying it isn't, because... This film absolutely is just terrifying. There's moments in it which 
as Cody alluded to, will just haunt you. Images and visuals and moments that will haunt you for days and weeks after. And it that's just a sign oh. of good writing. The atmosphere in this film is superb. The acting, I, I would absolutely agree with you on the ending, though. That bit, I did not buy the ending of the film. That is the... I've had debates with people about this who did like it. I just didn't not like the last three or four minutes of the film. To me, to me, it just felt almost tacked on. Well, true. And you know, speaking of the terrifying aspect, I actually do have a, I have a story about Hereditary, and I hope this does not happen again to me tonight, <laughs> because I saw. I saw Hereditary with a buddy of mine at a screening in Arizona. And, you know, first reaction, you know, great film, really terrifying, made me stay awake pretty much all night. But then a few weeks go by. I Maybe it was a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks go by. I come home. I relax. I settle. I'm like, you know, I'll go see Hereditary again. Uh, I want to, since I've seen it, I know what the scares are going to be. I know how terrifying this movie is. And, you know, I wasn't on the second viewing. I wasn't terrified watching it again in the movie theater because I knew what was going to happen. It was just more suspenseful for me because the movie does still have a tendency to catch you off guard. And then three days later, I'm like, you know, maybe it's a way. Maybe it's fine because I'm not having nightmares. Everything's good. I'm able to think clearly about the film. I really enjoy it. And then a coworker and I start talking about the movie at work. <laughs> that night, the night I got done talking with my coworker about it, I literally went to bed and I dreamed the entire third act of Hereditary. <laughs> no except way. except it wasn't Alex Wolf that was in in the scenario. No, it was me reliving that entire third act. And I woke up in a cold sweat screaming, like literally, oh gosh. It was... I think he's having flashbacks now, I think. Yeah, but no, honestly, this is a movie, definitely not for everybody. It's it's definitely Agreed. not for everybody. However, if you're somebody that enjoys horror films and you're like, you've enjoyed kind of the horror renaissance that we've had over the past six years, because I I think ever since The Conjuring and Cabin in the Woods and Sinister, horror films have kind of had a very big resurgence. We've had a lot of great ones. I mean, you look over the past couple of years, uh, you know, Conjuring films, Lights Out, Don't Breathe, Cabin in the Woods, Get Out, A Quiet Place, Hereditary. It's been great. So if you're someone who has been waiting for just that that next level of horror, go see Hereditary. It is not going to be a waste of your money. Go see it. Yeah, exactly. We we can recommend it till the end of the world, but end of time. But it's a film that you really have to you have to experience it. And if you can experience it in the cinema, because on the big screen with the with the sound and the atmosphere, which I hope you have, then it's an even more creepy, terrifying, immersive experience. This film I mentioned I mentioned it early on, but. This was the worst experience I've ever had in a theatre watching this film. And not because it was frightening, but it's because of the people who were in the screening. I had some absolute Luddites in there with me who, about three quarters of the way through, were just shouting at the screen, laughing, 
swearing at what was happening and just dismissing the whole thing. They were eventually told in no uncertain terms to shut up. But it absolutely was just the worst experience I ever had. So if you are listening, I hope I never see you in a cinema again. But for the film, though, it definitely earns the title of disturbing because some moments will shake you in your seat. And I thought Tony Collette, she reminded me a bit of um, Shelley Duvall in The Shining and in the way she handled her character. Yeah. But it's, I mean, Hereditary, it's not The Exorcist. It didn't need to be The Exorcist, but it's nasty, it's heavy, it's compelling. It's a very, very good horror film. Can I tell you something about The Exorcist? Please do, because I love the film. I don't think it's a good movie. Oh, I I'm think gonna, I, I can't I think hear it, you now. You still I, there? I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, very funny, Matt. <laughs> no, I think I think it's a flat out. My buddy and I kind of have the same opinion on this. We both think The Exorcist is a comedy. We do. We're just not terrified by it at all. But on that note, depending on who you are, if you're a horror fan or just a, a fan of great film in general go see hereditary because as far as horror is concerned it's one of the best yeah avengers infinity wars wasn't an, an event for experience for action epic comic book movie fans fans of big cinema hereditary is kind of an event film for those who like a horror film that we get it every few years a horror film that kind of comes out of nowhere this one came off the festival scenes but comes out of nowhere it builds up a buzz is it going to be as good as you think it is Yes, it is as good as you think it's going to be. So, cover your eyes, go and watch it. Maybe, maybe wear a disposable nappy because you may get scared. But enjoy it, take it all in. It's a big thumb, big scary, evil thumbs up from me. Yep, and uh, same thing. I don't think I could have said it any better myself. Just make sure that you don't drink any water because more than likely you <laughs> will lose control. But there are a few scenes where there are a few scenes where you will jump out of your seat, and they're not played for cheap jump scares either. You will no. jump. In fact, I don't think there's a single jump scare in this entire movie. Not really. I will just say quickly: in the first few moments of the film, the first like three or four minutes, there is one sort of subconscious visual which happens in a darkened room, which just put the fear of God into me. It's um, kind of an apparition almost, but. My God, it scared the hell out of me. That was in like the first three or four minutes of the film. So, to, to take it from that, it, 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 like, like again, I'm somehow comparing this to Infinity War. I don't quite know how, but this movie starts absolutely as it means to go on. So, it's a ride. Check it out. Uh, the next film is probably a complete change of tone. Yeah, you could say that. This film <laughs> is also my favorite movie of the year. Well, Incredibles two, directed by Brad Bird. You know what? Incredibles 2, it's been 14 years. And what Brad Bird and the entire crew were able to do with it is phenomenal. It's incredible. In my opinion, it is better than the first one. Did the first one have a better villain? Yes, of course. Syndrome is hard to beat. It's in, He is one of the best villains we've had. But Incredibles 2, where it takes the family, where it takes the entire story, where it pushes the characters forward and puts puts them in situations we've never seen before i was just amazed by it i was mesmerized by it plus the animation the cinematography there are scenes in this movie i have no idea how they created when it comes to animation i have no idea how they created it it's just so brilliantly put together and i'm kind of sad that you haven't seen this yet matt but I i'm telling you this film 
It's incredible. I mean, I haven't heard one negative person talk about this movie at all. I was... Oh, well, I'm also sad that I haven't seen it now after hearing that it's your number one of the year. I, you know, I like most people, had quite reasonable reservations about, you know, it's been such a long time. Could it recapture the magic? Would it be as good? Would it even be necessary? But by the sounds of it, I think all those all those questions are answered. Yeah, honestly, they are. And the best part about this movie, they could have done a time jump, but they started it immediately after where the first film left off. And I really enjoyed that they did that because it works. It works to no end. It's so brilliantly done. I love The Incredibles too, And it was it was also a very emotional experience for me because yeah, I might cry right now, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but The Incredibles 2, I like it more than the first Incredibles movie. And I love the first Incredibles movie. But in my opinion, the emotion was almost deeper in a sense. There are certain places where it literally – It doesn't actually feel like you're being gut punched, but it's that same message of positivity and being who you are and being sure that you're the best person that you are. That message is thrown throughout the entire thing. And, oh, gosh, the humor. This movie is also funnier than the first Incredibles movie. It's so good. I mean, that's all I'm going to really say about it because this – I mean, it's still new. And this is a film that I'm definitely not spoiling for anybody. But for me – I said it's my favorite film of the year. It's going to take a monster to knock it off of the first place for my favorite film of the year. However, if you couldn't tell, big thumbs up for me. Okay, that, maybe that's probably the least surprising one of the entire episode then. But the exciting part is we've got what f- well, the next half of the year to see what's coming out. And there are going to be some potentially monstrously good films coming out. So it's always exciting to look back at the end of the year to see what we thought in the middle of the year. My number one, I don't know what my number one film of the year is so far. Um, I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. But oh, I, Tonya was my number one film of the year so far. So I'm looking forward to see come December where that's going to be. Is it still going to be the same? But by the sounds of it, Incredibles 2 may just give it a run for its money. So I'm excited from everything you've just said. Yeah, it is. And you know what? I think now we should talk about a film that we might have differing opinions on. Let's talk about Sicario 2. Yes. And before we go into this, I will, again, I'll just just preface that I we don't necessarily discuss what we think about the films beforehand, so I generally don't know what Cody thinks about these films. It's not from a lack of you know research. It's just more fun, I think, and more spontaneous to not discuss it beforehand. So, well, it's more realistic, too. Absolutely, you can't react to something if you know what's going to happen. So, Sicario, where did you stand on this? Sicario's Day of the Dutch Soldado, I'm sorry. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. However, I do have some big problems with it. Um, mm-hmm. for, for one thing, I don't think the screenplay... Well, let me get my positives. Performances, story, across the board, it was great. I enjoyed the story. For three-fourths of it, I was completely locked in, and I... I ate it up. I I loved. There are certain parts of this movie that are just masterful filmmaking that I full on adored. It does feel like it's missing Denis Villeneuve's touch, though, and Roger Deakins' cinematography. Those two are big pieces that made the first one, in my opinion, a masterpiece. This film, there are certain cinematog- uh, certain pieces of cinematography that I thoroughly enjoyed. Others I thought they could have touched up and worked on. But the performances, as always, are great. 
And like I said, the story where they take Benicio del Toro, I fully enjoyed. I thought they embraced his character and and they pushed him forward. However, there is one subplot in this movie involving a kid going into the drug cartel. And whenever those scenes came up, they were my least favorite part of the movie because honestly, number one, it felt like I was in a completely different movie. Number two, the performances, the dialogue, everything. It just didn't work for me. I mean, you go apart from Benicio del Toro, Brolin, which summer of Brolin, right? This is the third major film he's been in. Brolin, Benicio del Toro, all of, all of Catherine Keener, all of these brilliant, brilliant actors and this great story that they're putting together. And then you go to the subplot, which is roughly, I think, it's like a quarter to a half of the movie with this kid. And I'm just like, I just never bought it. I mean, I understand the message that they're trying to teach about kids who, who go through this and it's horrible and awful. But whenever this kid was on screen, it just Plus the fact that the kid, the kid had barely any emotion at all. It, it's like he had Taylor Lautner face for the entirety of the movie. And <laughs> so kid. that is my, I mean, I, it may be one of his first performances. I don't know. I, I want the kid to get more work because I'm sure he can do better. However, the subplot he had in this movie, it just didn't work for me. And Sicario de the Soldado, I'll say it's a good movie. Not a great one, and it does have a lot going for it, but it's like everything that I like about the movie, there's always something to contradict it to. Yeah, I don't think it's as good as the first uh, film in the series. There's, on on what you've just said, there's at least one absolute sort of massive stretch of logic that happens in this film, which is either going to confuse the heck out of you, but it really is a jar. It is fairly jarring in the film. I'm not sure if I was meant to be confused by it, but I was. So that didn't help. But it's done by it's written by Taylor Sheridan, who recently did uh, Wind River, which I thought was pretty good. But yeah, I I certainly agree with the acting. I think Del Toro is brilliant. Josh Brolin continues his just absolute run of his his hot streak. What I think the film was missing was Sicario had Emily Blunt in it. I think the film was essentially missing her or a character of a similar similar feel to it because her character was kind of a lot more relatable than anybody else I think in the films in this kind of like you know rough world that they were in in the first film I think she kind of gave her, the audience someone to almost like root for or look at themselves in and I think without that kind of character to cling on to I I miss that somewhat I I I think it's like you mentioned you mentioned Roger Deakins I think it's hard not to miss anything that Roger Deakins has crafted but I liked the film. I thought it was. I thought it was, you know, pretty damn good. It was well written for the most part, apart from like you've mentioned a few subplots and a couple of moments where you do think, oh, what, what what's going on? But I don't know what to say really much about it. it. If you like the first one, I think you'll like this one. I certainly did. I don't put it as high up as the first one, but I did enjoy it a lot. I think it's, well, I did enjoy it. It's a lot. This one's a lot more macho and masculine I think than the first one so some people may have an issue with that but I don't know I thought it, I thought it was a good film not as good as the original but still absolutely serviceable as a sequel to that film yeah it I mean for a sequel it's fine I suppose but 
I really wish because Denis Villeneuve, he was rumored rumored at the beginning to, you know, originally come back for Day of the Soldado, but then he got he decided to go on and do Blade Runner, which was not a bad decision at all because that film no. is film is brilliant. But this is a sequel; it's serviceable. I mean, there's stuff I like about it, stuff I didn't. So it is a thumbs up for me. Yeah, same here. It's it's certainly not tentative, but it's not a wild thumbs up. But I think if you enjoyed the first film, you certainly probably will get something out of this one. I don't think this film's going to be for everybody as well. And I'm judging from some of the reactions I've seen, this is getting quite... You either seem to like it or you really don't like it, is what I'm getting at the minute. There are some critics I've read who absolutely just put two fingers up to this film and others who are lauding it as one of the best of the year. So... It's kind of a love-hate relationship with this film at the minute. I'm I'm certainly don't love it, but I'm more I'm all on the positive side. So it is a thumbs up from me. So that's two from us. The next film, which is the one I mentioned earlier on, which I thought I was going to have more issues with than I did, but that's the 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 blockbuster itself, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, the the follow-up to the ridiculously successful Jurassic World. Now. I thought this film... I've got to get out of it. I thought this film would absolutely be garbage. I don't know why. I just didn't... <laughs> nothing from the trailers really struck me. But... I quite enjoyed this film. I, I quite enjoyed it. I think you may have done too. Either that or you absolutely hated it. Go on. I didn't like this movie. Oh, what part? Oh, just the whole, just the... Yeah, why not? I didn't love the film. I was going to throw it out there now. I don't think it's one of the. Well, you know, it's not, it's not well, going to you... attack my best of. You know, it, it could have been worse. I could have gone up to the mic and been like. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. It's going to give address... me nightmares now. What I can say Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I enjoyed J.A. Bayona's direction. I enjoyed the first act of the movie. Other than that. For me, the script fell apart from minute one. That characters started talking. The performances were bland. The fact that they brought up the 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 plot point to weaponize dinosaurs again, I thought was stupid. The evil millions of the five millions, the stupid <laughs> cartoonish Russian bad guys, and the yeah. stupid, honestly, this movie was just too much for me. I I did not like this movie at all. I've commented on it on my review of it that this th- there are so many moments in this film that w- your eye- your eyes are going to roll so hard they may even fall out of your face because there are some parts of this which are just ludicrous. There are plot con- conveniences and contrivances which are just lackluster. They're unintelligent. They're lazy writing at points. And I do agree the dialogue is... The dialogue for the most part of this film is absolutely dreadful. The, it makes it sound like I didn't like it, but the villains were stock. Apparently you can buy a dinosaur for £10 million, so expect Oprah to be giving some away on her show. Some of the characters uh, I originally didn't like, uh, Daniela Pinedas and Justice Smith, who played... Well, I can't remember what they played now. They worked... They, it, I'm actually saying that well, the, the, one of the main characters, Dallas Bryce How- Howard's character... Sorry, Bryce Dallas Howard's character, she kind of has this ridiculously... You know, stretch of logic, change of profession. So if you can get past that straight away, she's gone from where she was in Jurassic World to where she is now. It's a bit of a stretch, but she's got these two kids kind of working for her, and 
they start off and I was just thinking, I hope you get chumped, watch the film, see if they do or not. But I didn't mind it. I thought the, I liked what they did in the island in terms of the actual, what, what happened rather than the, ignore the script and the dialogue. But what happened on the island, I liked that. There was visually, I thought it looked pretty good. Uh, there are moments in it which are manipulative for sure, but there's one moment on the island or towards the end of the island when I, when I could have just broke down in tears because I am a big softy. And it involves a brachiosaur. And even thinking about it now makes me feel very sad. <sighs> that is clear. The only reason that was in there was to man- was to manipulate weaklings like me. But I like J.L. Biona's director. I thought he- I thought The Orphanage was a great film. A Monster Calls, I I appreciated that film. And I was most looking forward to seeing what he bought because he does sort of lean to that kind of more ethereal, kind of the horror type uh, yeah. vibe. And True. the second half of the film, he goes for that more. It worked for me. For, I know for lots of people, the second part half of the film is just a washout. Yeah, I liked it. I had more fun than I thought. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. It's not going to attack the, my best of the year. Far from it. As a, I, I probably going to commit heresy here, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a better film than Jurassic World. Wait, what? I did think it was a better. Fi- I think I thought it. Jurassic World was a very serviceable popcorn film. I thought Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom at least tried to do to do something different. Whether or not it actually succeeded or not is a different story. But what they've set up, if they can get somebody in, I understand that Conor Trevorrow is doing um, Jurassic World 3, so I'm not expecting anything to be too great. But it's a shame because I think that the next film, if they'd actually taken some real love and care over the script, could have been quite good, but... I'm not expecting this next film to be any good, but for this film, it was better than I thought it would be. I didn't love it, but it was better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. My biggest problem with Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is this. Is, you know, besides all those other things, is the fact that I hated the fact that I kind of felt that they literally just took plot points, or not plot points, but they took images, mirages, story points... (laughs) And they ripped them right out of the first Jurassic Park film. It yeah. kind of made me feel it, – it's one of the reasons why I had problems with Ocean's 8 is the fact that it felt lazy. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom felt lazy to me. I just – you know, as a Jurassic Park fan, as somebody who really enjoyed the first Jurassic World movie, I was very, very much let down. And I think I'm done talking about this. <laughs> so I will say for me it's definitely a thumbs down for me I can see where people will be disappointed by it and on that on that level I was disappointed that it wasn't you know a better film because I did have I think I was more intrigued than anything I didn't have high expectations but I was intrigued to see what Bayona would bring to it the trailers pretty much show you the majority of the film if you have seen them then probably piece together what happens during it. There's lots in it which is just bad. But I did I wasn't as disappointed as I thought I was gonna be with it. So I struggle to decide whether what's whether to say yay or nay to it. I think I'm gonna I think the thumb's just gonna start to point up slightly. Just what? because I because I didn't hate it. I didn't dislike it. I think it kind of falls into oh no. <laughs> I think it falls into no. This is gonna, if you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening, Bayona, which I'm sure you aren't, but if you are, thank you. This is kind of almost like rampage to me, where 
when the dinosaurs, the dinosaurs are the absolute MVP, so they're the all-stars. When they're not on screen, the film is cack. When the dinosaurs are on screen, it's, it's a lot better. But this film is a, this film unfortunately, whereas the first Jurassic Park was such a wonderful movie way back when, this film's now just kind of a, almost like a brainless dino romp at times. So to me, it's kind of on a rampage level where it's not the best movie, but I enjoyed the aspects which were meant to be enjoyed, i.e. the dinos. Alrighty. So if anybody heard the clicking there in the background, you will have nightmares or you may now be cursed. You have the curse of Cody. Hmm. Curse of Cody. That's right. <laughs> and if you're listening through headphones, you're definitely going to have nightmares now. So. Seven days. <laughs> I can go on like this, I uh, swear. <laughs> I'm turning I'm turning my my main phone line off now just in case it starts to ring. <laughs> like a balloon. If I get if I get any nightmares tonight or anyone calling me for seven days, I'm I'm giving them your Skype details so they can stick speak to you as well. <laughs> if I'm going down, you're coming with me. You're gonna send them my way. That's great. I will send a red balloon floating outside your window. Well, you know, Pennywise and I are the same person, so <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, well, if you didn't know, we like horror films, and I'm hoping, actually, well, that will, first off, that is the three months just gone by, that is the second episode of the movie called to finish, so we have gone through April, May, and June, again, I think the majority is positive, there are some absolute turkeys in there, and some which we kind of agree on, some we disagree on, and some we're kind of in the middle on, next month, then the next episode, which will be coming out in the next quarter, We've got things like Mission Impossible, Fallout, Ant-Man and the Wasp, The Predator, Happy Time Murders, and The Nun, which I'm sure Cody's going to be very excited to talk about. Yeah, I I should be. I'm excited to see it. Maybe not The Predator so much, but definitely The Nun. Yep. Predator looks stupid. Yeah, that's, that, that's, well, that's, I think that's going to be the film where I'm just going to be the most disappointed. I hope it isn't, but everything I've seen so far doesn't look very good. I mean, they've got a super predator, for God's sake. But, hell, who knows? I, I've, I've been wrong before many Alien times. Alien versus Predator Requiem. Oh, man. That was just an absolute turgid toilet blocker as well. <laughs> but but Ant-Man and the Wasp comes out soon as well, so there could be some good fun there. Happy Time Murders is either going to be hilarious or it's going to be absolute garbage. Or it could be like Sausage Party, which could have been good, but ended up being not very good. I have a feeling it's probably going to be this year's sausage party. Yeah, it's going to get. I think it's going to get an awful lot of people talking about it because it's a bit rude and a bit raunchy. Like, and then when they see it, they're going to think. Ugh. I mean, honestly, I think Happy Time Murders. I think it's going to be funny. But then again, I thought the trailers to Sausage Party were hilarious, and I thought that. I thought that. Uh, then again. Seeing the creative team they've got behind Happy Time Murders, the fact that it's Brian Han- uh, Hansen's kid, and the fact that he's been so involved with everything yeah. that makes Muppets great, and he's been a great director and producer and all that stuff, it does give me hope. But I hope it isn't one of those things where, where, <laughs> where Mr. Hansen's kid, he's like, well, Dad never let us do this good puppet, <laughs> so here we go. I'm going to show puppets having sex. So... I'm never going to be able to watch the Muppet Christmas Carol the same now if that happens, but hopefully it doesn't get, hopefully the shtick doesn't get boring quickly, which is what Sausage Party did. Yeah, exactly, and 
what if you've seen the trailer of Happy Time Murders, you'll get the the gag right at the end, which goes on and then on, and it goes and on on. a bit more. It's very messy, and it goes on a bit more, and, and that's it's hysterical. Thought, it is, <laughs> but I did also start to think, uh it needs to stop. Please stop soon. Please stop soon. And, and then starts. I rewatched. But then I, and it starts again. Then I rewatched it again and actually found it funnier the second time round. So uh, tune in for the next episode and you'll see whether we are our expectations have been dashed, met, or if we just look like fools for hoping that the Predator is going to be at least salvageable. But like I said, that's that for this episode of the movie quarter. We'll be back in, in a few months' time to cover the third quarter before giving ourselves a few times off to enjoy the fest a few months off to enjoy the festive period and talk some end of year movies as well. So as always, it's been an absolute joy and a blast and a privilege to chat movies with you again, Cody. Thank you very much, Matt. It's been a pleasure talking movies with you. Thank you, my man. Where can the world find you on the World Wide Web? Well, you guys can find me obviously on YouTube. You can find me just go to the YouTube search bar, search Cody Curtis. It should be the first name that pops up. Along with that, you can find me on social media, just on uh, Stardust, on Stardust, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search underscore Cody underscore Curtis. And one thing I need to to punch out about is the fact that, number one, sweet film podcast that me and my my good friend Zach Pope started up. It's hilarious. It's very open about what we think about film, and we have guests on there almost every week. And it's just a lot of fun, so check that out. And we also have a game show coming out. Should be by the middle of this month, middle of July, maybe towards the end of July, called Entertainment Wars. So you're going to want to check that out as well. I second the Sweets Film Podcast, because I have checked out a few episodes. It is funny. It is... um. It's loose, shall we say, in terms of the opinions. There's no, uh, there's no filter at times, which is good. Nope, that's all the time. <laughs> it's, yeah, I was trying to be conservative, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. So do go check that out if you want to hear more of Cody in your ears. Which, well, and bless for face it, why wouldn't you? And if also if you want to learn how to live better, check out his social media because it puts <laughs> me to shame. But you can find me at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. You won't find any health pictures of me on Twitter or Instagram, but you can have a look anyway. What I watched tonight, find me on there. If you're listening to this episode, which you clearly are because you can hear me, it'll be on iTunes, it'll be on Spotify, Stitcher, Podknife, TuneIn, maybe YouTube soon if I, when I get around to doing it. Pretty much anywhere you can hear a podcast, we're on there. So if you like what you hear, share the episode. Tell people about it. It's nothing better than people telling you that you know they enjoyed what you did. If you disagreed with us, let us know in a polite, concise way and we will obviously engage back with you. If you, if you agreed with us, tell us as well. But, you know... Tell people you like the show. Get people listening. If you don't like it, don't tell anybody. <laughs> so from so from me, it's see ya. And from Cody, see you guys later. 